Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 7, Episode 8, titled Hearts Still Beating. I think we all know what the title means. Uh, kind of at the end, realize everybody's still got a heart in their chest, except for people who may or may not have it spill out of their torsos. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they're, they're still resilient and resistant. Much like The Walking Dead fan base. Okay, yeah, that's a good comparison. Our hearts are still beating. Uh-huh. Um, what do you think of this episode? I, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I, and then, oh, man. So some of it is because they have, I, I felt like this episode really accelerated the timeline. Um, oh. And where I was looking, where I was dreading that we were going to spend another half season with this kind of prelude to confronting Negan. You know, and of course, as soon as I get my hopes up, the show will then give us a three-part single-focus episode or series of episodes on where Heath has been right. next season, and this will all come crashing down to a halt. But I've, I've, I have i don't know. I mean, I've, I've kind of got the hope that they're just going to step back and like maybe tell this, uh, uh, this, this all-out war kind of plot line straight up. So I'm excited for the next half season. Okay. I mean, that seems appropriate i think this episode was serviceable to good uh and it certainly did a lot of things that i wanted to see like spencer getting killed was obviously the highlight uh probably for both of us but yeah i i definitely you know i hate i don't want to get roped into the same the same old uh mode of thinking that yeah that walking it gets you in which is hey they're really going to get great next season next season is always the season for walking dead and yeah uh, i'm i'm sick of being fooled by it i'm not gonna be fooled uh, yeah Uh, so so i'm with you like they will do the episode of heath they will do probably another episode of tara and they'll gloss over deaths and they'll have all the same bullshit they had in this season and and i'm not saying that like i think the walking dead will be great but you know, I think these last two episodes have been entertaining, mm-hmm. and you know, you've had a you've had Negan like he showed us. I, I think he showed another dimension to himself, like Negan, who's like, "Oh shit, I could have died right here." Uh, uh-huh. This was I I I've been so up my ass, and uh, you know, I've been so invincible for so long, and you know, doing my bouncy Negan thing that like when Lucille got shot, he showed a whole different side of him that I thought was really kind of neat, and I liked seeing him. His his more playful side that actually worked, mm-hmm. that I was able to appreciate. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, I I don't know if they'll they'll pump on the brakes, but I don't need Walking Dead to be great. I need Walking Dead to be entertaining. There was still a lot of stupid shit in this episode. Yeah, but there was humor and there was drama and there was mm-hmm. you know like Rick's realization that everyone in Alexandria was essentially an open rebellion, even his own child. Like the way Andrew Lincoln played that was really good and entertaining. Right. And the you know the and the gambit to get out to the houseboat was just stupid and crazy and over the top, but that's the kind of shit I guess I miss about Walking Dead. Sure, if, I I really enjoyed the boat stuff. If you're not going to be great, then d- dangle Glenn in the well, uh, mm-hmm. knock Aaron off a canoe, like get you know get me rolling my eyes and like exasperated because that's where I guess I'm most comfortable with this show. Okay, well why don't we get into the recap? All right, so we open up with Maggie on the wall. She's looking very Glenn. She's looking like uh, she's playing a, a, a deliberate homage to the Glenn yeah. of old, mm-hmm. you know, because he he hasn't really rocked that that look recently. But he's she's going back to old school season one Glenn look, just head to toe denim. 
Yeah. I mean, that was never really Glenn's signature look. He he usually took a more toned-down denim approach. Mm-hmm. But Maggie's just going all out with the denim. Uh, and uh, Gregory walks up to her and says, uh, you know, should you be climbing walls of that torn uterus of yours? <laughs> Uh, no, he doesn't say that. No, no one mentions that. That would actually probably score him some political points. What he does say is that people have been saying a lot of nice things about you and Sasha saving us. Mm-hmm. Don't let it go to your head. And Maggie, like this, this is great because this is a someone coming up with realistic, believable dialogue to just shut this smarmy piece of shit down. This is what I yeah. expect of a person like Maggie. She says, "Oh well, don't let it bother you." Mm-hmm. I can. See, it seems to be bothering you. Then I saw she got this kind of like impish grin, and she plays this. Are you going to eat that apple? And Gregory's like shining up, like hell yeah, I'm going to eat this delicious apple. And and the du- the the guard standing watch with Maggie says, "Dude, you know she's pregnant." Mm-hmm. And he is so he he has to give her the apple, and then Maggie eats the apple with relish, and it's it's great. Yeah, I, not literally with relish. That'd I, be disgusting. <laughs> that would be real gross. She's like, "This is the best goddamn apple I've ever had, Gregory." So ju- look at the juice running down my chin. My baby appreciates his apple, Gregory. Thank you. So at this point, is Gregory trying to avoid a full-on revolt against his leadership? Because I don't know why he hands over this apple. Like, because he's could, weak. He, this is what this is exactly what a okay. weak. This is what a weak strong. This is what a person who's weak that thinks a person strong does. and he essentially once you recognize you're in this position where someone just outclasses you they're just better at you for the job the best thing you can do is fall behind their leadership because you try to you bucket you're going to get embarrassed and gregory in in this world of being embarrassed probably means your guts get torn out too yeah probably so maggie's guts have already been torn out though so yeah what does it matter (laughs) that uterus is at you know red line still yeah and i I just, no one is concerned about her fragile f- physical state. Not even, like, least of all her. And, and it just, I just, I can't, I don't know what to say about that. Mm-hmm. How long has it been? Do we know? Has she, like, been in bed for six months? No, no, no. We know for a fact that it's still been very, very, I mean, there's a, there's a timeline of just, I think, a week. Yeah, it's very short. Because Negan, they bashed the brains in, then less than a week later they came and made their first visit, and now mm-hmm. less than approximately a week later. So it's been about two weeks. The, the entire that... last season, this yeah. season plus the last two episodes before that have taken place in over a matter of like two weeks. The thing, So I, I wouldn't care. If, if it was just Maggie, I would not care one bit. If she wants to rupture her womb for the sake of climbing a ladder and looking over a wall, go mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. But presumably she cares about this child. Like, it's right. the one thing she has left of Glenn. Right. If And it's fine. Like, if the doctor was like, sure, yeah, you're, no, you're good. Just do what you normally do. But he told you to fucking sit in bed. Yes, And do bed nothing. Rest. Bed rest. It's a doctor. It's not some rando. It's right. not some guy who doesn't know what he's talking about. It's a freaking doctor. Listen to him. Right. If and you like, care at all for this child. And that's the thing, like... The Walking Dead didn't have to say she had a ripped uterus. Right. I'm sure there's lots of other things they could have said that would cause problems that he could have fixed or whatever, you know, and like Sure, yeah. I, I feel like that there was like a, some kind of baby scare in like uh the last episode the last season of Downton Abbey and the doctor's like, uh-huh. Oh, you just need a stitch here and you're good to go. Like I, there's lots of things you could have done, but you said torn uterus, bed rest. I mean, yeah. So am I supposed to read they... this as Maggie would rather I mean, that's the thing, like I'm watching as an intelligent fan and I'm coming yeah. to the conclusion that Maggie must want to look out for Rick's return more than she's caring about preserving the seed of Glenn right. that's growing within her. 
I don't and, think they're trying to imply that. Child, like that's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't think Jesus they're trying. Woman. I don't think they're trying to imply that, but they are. They are because yeah. of their sloppy storytelling, right? And it's like the only thing I can see in these scenes. Yes. Yes, like there should be like a a caption, like torn uterus every single time that she's on on the screen. Uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, so we go back to Alexandria, and Negan is putting on a shaving clinic with Carl. He's mm-hmm. putting on a spaghetti sauce clinic. You uh, always go against the grain, Carl. He's. I. I don't. I. I think that's. A, I mean, I got a thick ass beard. If I went on a first pass with the grain, I never can mail shave against the grain. Mm-hmm. I get so many ingrown hairs and yeah. just just tear my face up. Yeah, so, but that's the only way to get it smooth. Big I guess dolphin so. smooth. I guess so. If you have like not as much facial hair as me, <laughs> because that's a good way to look like you graded your face against cement for for me. Yeah. Uh, and then Olivia's outside and says that she is uh, Rosita. Find I think Rosita finds her out there. Or wait, was it Rosita? No, it's Tara. Right. Tara finds yes. her out there kind of quietly crying to herself and mustering up the courage to go in there because she promised Rick that she'd look after Judith. And Judith has been in the company of a madman for how who knows how long while she's been off crying in the corner somewhere. Yeah, I don't know what she's going to do if Negan decides to harm this child. I mean, I guess the, the thought was you will, you know, you might, I mean, you can take comfort in the fact that you would die before you let this child come to harm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that's like a noble thing to do, even if you're powerless to even stop if you're powerless to stop the fact that, like, yeah, I mean, I, I sure. think that's, I mean, I don't know that's wise in every situation, but I certainly think it's noble and, it and is. brave. Yeah. Uh, but she then says to Tara that you should go because we're about to sit, which I thought was a, a, a weird phrasing. Um, the whole, this whole time, like, like. Negan is in full-on smarmy mode, and I'm loving it. I love the fact that he's clean-shaven. I love the fact he's rocking his white T-shirt. He's essentially Rick when he first came to Alexandria, and they're deliberately leaning into that illusion. In fact, he's got this bandage on his wrist that they've never really addressed, and I'm kind of wondering if they are not doing that just to really make him look like comic book Rick. Hmm. Because comic book Rick got his arm chopped off, and I feel like he still has stump-bandaged circa this era hmm. um i'm not sure about that but i just wonder if that was supposed to be a little wink that like oh he's clean shaven and now he's looking like rick and now he's adopting his mannerisms and we'll just put a bandage on there to make it because otherwise i don't know what what's up with the bandage i don't either uh, um meanwhile throughout some of these scenes interspersed is daryl in a cell con- contemplating the key in the note and this de- and and coming to the conclusion he's going to try to escape again sure which, Why not? As I was watching this episode, it's hard for me to get excited because I'm thinking, what the fuck? You're going to get out and doom everyone in Alexandria. Well, there were no consequences the first time. Why not try it over and over until you succeed, I suppose? I suppose. Because maybe there won't be any consequences if you actually get out. And by the end of the episode, it seems like Rick is ready to maybe step it up a little bit. Like oh, I'm, yeah. I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen when Negan gets back to the Savior Complex and finds all this shit gone, and, like, he could just turn right around, and then what? Right. You know, Rick's not even there. Rick's off in Hilltop, so uh-huh. there's no... And, and with all of the badasses, too. So if Negan comes calling for vengeance on Alexandria, they're pretty much fucked. Yeah. Um, they don't even have a single bullet anymore. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, so... Rick then comes and with Aaron, and they ponder this this kind of like uh, 
logic puzzle that the person on the boat has constructed for them. <laughs> boat to boat to boat. They, they, God, Jesus, how many boats does this guy have in the water? I, well, uh, one and a half, it turns out, because he's got this bullet-ridden kind of like aluminum John boat mm-hmm. that they say he's not going to stay afloat for long, but maybe they can get close enough to the canoe to do a boat transfer. Right. Uh, Rick also offers to let Aaron hang back. Aaron declines and, in fact, destroys the... the uh, the guy signed that warned them about how what a proficient shot he was and made like two rough oars out of it and and stabby weapons like i'm i'm super impressed with Aaron this episode oh uh, yeah cuz you know he not only so i i like this scene a lot with him and i also like the next scene a lot um where he kind of you know espouses both sides opinions on this whole issue of whether or not they should be cowing to negan uh and and he really like he has a very level headed perspective on all of it. Yeah. And like stereotypically, a gay character would not be written anything like this. Like Aaron is gung ho about this mission; he's going to get the job done, and is kind of actually taking the lead on Rick here, right? Yeah. Like no. Rick is sort of following Aaron's lead at this point. I mean, which I, think, I liked. I think that's the best thing about the way Aaron is written as a character is that he's just written as a person, right? Like yeah. he's no more or less who brave happens than... to be gay, and I, I yeah. like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they are going to go at it, I guess. Uh, and also, I, I thought that Aaron was kind of low key, uh, properly offended by Rick's attitude. Uh, like he wasn't like, "How dare you?" Is more like, "No, I'm here to see it through." Oh, right. Yeah. And also, look at these badass oars I just made with my feet. <laughs> uh, we flash back to Negan, who is in Alexandria, and they're all sitting. This was a classic scene. They're all sitting at the table. He's at the head. And he kind of affects, like, you know, an 80s sitcom housewife mm-hmm. and is like, we're not waiting for your dad anymore. And puts Lucille in Rick's place and says she's hungry and, and uh, asks Carl to please pass the rolls. He mm-hmm. throws the please on, which I, I just thought this whole effect and demeanor was really funny. Yeah, it was great. It's it's some pretty dark comedy, right? Right. I mean, these people are under threat of death here. <laughs> and he's just ordering them around as if this were a normal family meal for him. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Uh, also, at Alexander, the the saviors are really blowing a lot of sunshine and even sex proposals up Spencer's ass. Oh right, and yeah. sandwich proposals. Sandwich proposals. Yeah, come on. Well, I mean, from I guess that's a term. <laughs> <laughs> is Spencer the meat, or is he a piece, oh, a piece of the bread? He's definitely the meat. Uh, he's getting used and abused. He's definitely the meat. Uh, so uh, the little blonde, spunky girl uh, woman says, you like watching haircut? Because she notices Eugene with the mullet uh, over there perving on him. And <laughs> he this. honestly says, yeah, because, <laughs> you know, if, if you don't recall, a couple seasons ago, they randomly showed that he did like watching Abraham and Rosita fuck. Yeah. And that everyone yeah. was kind of cool with the arrangement. Awesome. Nice callback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carol right out in the outskirts of the kingdom is in her little carol hut, her carol cabin, if you will. Mm-hmm. And she's reading a book by the fire and eating pomegranate seeds, and it looks like very Hallmark. Uh, but she notices a gift care basket has been left outside her door, and then Morgan is hightailing it, trying to get away without being seen, and she calls him back. Uh, he expresses concern that she's being taken care of and looked after, and uh, she reveals that King Ezekiel's been dropping off all kinds of fruits and vegetables and supplies on the regular. Yeah, I guess the pomegranate, not really significant, right? It's more just, hey, here we have a shitload of fruit. Uh, I don't know. The fact that she's eating, like, I don't know. Like, I 
I remember that the pomegranate was like some kind of Greek thing for some kind of uh, romantic gesture, and it's the, right. I vaguely remember that. Right, and I think that there is something to her eating the seeds, like showing that she is receptive to it. I mean, okay. I, I think that's like supposed to foreshadow her eventually. I mean, obviously, she can't stay. She's Carol. She's not going to stay on the sidelines while all of her friends die. I don't think so. And everyone yeah. in the kingdom dies. Like that's just not in her nature, and mm-hmm. they have to have this. You know, they have to have the more. They have to have the morgalizing, the end all morgalizing before they just get over this shit. Uh huh. Um, that's that's my read of it. Uh, so they're kind of talking and, ca- and catching up and being cute when Richard, the head knight of the kingdom, shows up, also bearing a gift package, and says they need to talk. Yeah. I feel like, well, I guess we can get into this later, but I I feel like Carol obviously doesn't want exactly what she says she wants or she would just leave. If she really wanted to be left alone, she could make that happen. Yeah, right. She's not being watched regularly at 3 o'clock right. in the morning some night. She could pack up all the pomegranates she can hold. <laughs> As she's done before. I and mean, just breeze out. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, so, so she clearly has some other motive for staying. And whether it's it's known to her or whether it's like a subconscious thing to her, I'm not really sure. It seems like she knows that she can be useful in a pinch. Um, maybe she really does want some companionship and she's not willing or ready to cut that off entirely, but she's resistant to it. Yeah. Outwardly. No, I, I, I agree that this is all subconscious stuff that she's working through. Mm-hmm. Uh, back at the uh, on, on Golden Pond... Rick and Aaron are making their way to the canoe at the midpoint of the lake when the walkers try to start boarding. They've been bobbing around like bobbers this whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of boarding, Aaron and Rick make effective use of their paddle boards in repelling these zombie invaders. Yeah. Until Aaron gets to the canoe and is surprised by a surprise walker and flips overboard. Uh, Aaron somehow miraculously survives this event and yeah. they make it to the houseboat safely. I don't know how he gets out of that water. I think he fine. hit under a dumpster. <laughs> an underwater dumpster. There was an underwater dumpster. That's the zombies. That's essentially lead. If yeah. the zombies are Superman, they can't, they, they can't see through it. It's and... where the Atlanteans keep their garbage. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess if I, if they're a zombie, like he could just duck underwater and swim away right they're not gonna yeah. be smart enough to like right oh where you know they're like a a, a one-year-old baby like oh god where'd it go you know and i don't think i don't think walkers can swim no not the way we walkers would. i mean you can bob they can float they can thrash around they're yeah. probably buoyant because of their rotting gas but i right. i agree they don't swim the way we would think of swimming yeah now uh, i can let it slide i it is i mean it's still some straight up bullshit, right? I mean, he gets pulled over backwards by one that presumably has a hold of him, yes, and can bite him. That thing, that's that's the one that I'm like, I if this Walker had a hold of you. All he's got to do is take his hands, move them to his face, and yeah. boom, you're done. Which he's programmed to do. Yep. So I still think it's bullshit, but it's like low key. Eh, I can't really get that worked up about it. Bullshit. Yeah. Overall, it, not a big deal. It, again, you'd have the exact same amount of drama if they just transferred from one boat to another because that shit's hard. Sure, yeah. You know, there'd be, like, and zombies can claw at them and all that. Like, you don't need for someone to go swimming for me to be like, oh, shit, I'm scared for Aaron. <laughs> you could add one foot in one boat, one yeah. foot in the other, doing the splits. Yeah, and it starts going this way. Oh. And then there's a, a walker underneath trying to get out his crotch. They keep teasing this, this ball chomping, man. Maybe there's a mulleted walker <laughs> down there chomping away. Uh, uh, speaking of walkers in the water, did yeah. you see, is one of those walkers Robert Kirkman? It really I, looked like him. I didn't. So what's weird is I expected that to be the front page on r slash The Walking Dead. Uh-huh. 
and it wasn't. So I'm starting to doubt it. And I did not watch mm. Talking Dead. Now he was on it with Norman Reedus again. Right. If he was the Walker, I would think that he that that would be front page news. But I didn't see it. So hmm. it really looks like him. The first, I think it's like one of the first ones you see in the water. It it really does look like Robert Kirkman. Mm-hmm. So it could be. It's just maybe. I mean, it's the rare instance where Reddit thinks that's so common knowledge that it gets downvoted. Right. But my God. Or if they talk about it on Talking Dead, no one would mention it, maybe. Right, because it's like, again, common knowledge. But still, you'd think that'd be a karma farm because enough people don't watch the show that that would probably get upvoted. Or at least it would be memed somehow. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So, I don't know. Daryl sneaks around to save your compact complex looking for clothes. Uh, there's a, did you see, did, I, I watched the subtitles on this and we, you know, when we were watching the live watch, we we're making this gag cause they dropped this jar and just a shit ton of like some kind of pickled thing slides. And it, it, we were like, what did somebody just like clog up a toilet or something? What just happened? Uh-huh. They're actually, they, someone broke a jar full of pickles or something. And they're having a debate about whether they should just scoop the pickles off the floor and put them in a, a clean jar. Yeah, you should. And they're saying, you know, we're not going to eat this shit. And I couldn't decide whether they're, this is are. the food that they give to the plebs that pay for tickets or if this was like Negan food and they're doing this to subtly stick it to Negan. Like, I appreciated mm-hmm. the, the background communication either way. I scoop those pickles off the floor all day, every day. Oh, yeah. Like, you pickles. can rinse them off. They're it's fine. Pickles. Yeah. What could go wrong with a cucumber soaked in, what is it, vinegar? Yeah. What do you, well, I don't. I don't. Really, I just realized I don't know how to make brine. Some kind of brine. Like, mm-hmm. what, what could go wrong? It can be vinegar based, certainly. Uh, I, nothing. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, and I mean, it's the apocalypse. It's gross, but you need food. Pickles right. are pretty awesome, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going for it. Uh, so Daryl goes into a room to kind of look for clothes and and take shelter for a minute, and he sees a chessboard. He's the whole time he's he's wolfing down peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another break, and then they cut back, and they just show Daryl flipping over the chessboard. What does that mean? I have no idea. Because they zoom in on the chess piece, and it kind of looks the it looks like it's supposed to be a rook, but it also kind of looks sort of like the hilltop. Hmm. And at first, I thought this was some kind of like master battle map that Negan had, and it's going to pan out, and Daryl's going to see like ten of these settlements, and he's going to get the idea that you know. That then maybe we could unite and something, but nothing. He just flips over to chessboard, and I have no fucking clue what the hell. Does anybody in the show play chess? Have we seen anybody play chess? I'm sure someone has alluded to it, but I've. I mean, yeah, I chess is ringing a bell, but I don't know why. I, I can't pull it. I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm glad he didn't bust into Fat Joseph's room though, because can you imagine Daryl tromping around in there in a 3XL shirt? Sure, that would have been pretty funny, actually. The other thing about, I mean, maybe there is some kind of Morse code thing to the chessboard. <laughs> right. The way the pieces that fell I and flipped hit the floor. pieces, yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we call that busted? I don't the know. The Morse code theory? I, I think they would have mentioned it again. I mean, they showed the Morse code board again, but it was incidental. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. if, if he was communicating to Rick through Morse code, well, he's now back with Rick. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, and and there was no kind of scheme that Rick like had cooked up. Like you know, Daryl yeah. kind of escaped under his own horsepower, Fair. aided and abetted by Jesus. So I'm, I feel like it's busted. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. Anyway, um, Aaron and Rick loot the house successfully. They find a sign that's that, that is an outline of someone flipping them off, and it says, "Even though you've won, you've lost." Which, like, huh? I wonder what that means. 
<laughs> Rick surmises that the only thing this guy ran out of was ammo because he's got guns, he's got grenades, he's got food. And they decide to cut the anchor and paddle the whole houseboat to shore so they can easily load it up in a truck, which is pretty smart. Mm-hmm. So what's what's up with this guy? So, I mean, how do you run out of ammo, still have all the food in the world, still have all the grenades in the world, but you you don't leave the boat or you don't go find more ammo or get to a safe place at all? I've been thinking about what in the hell this could be. And one easy explanation could be that... This guy knew he was low on ammo, so he took what he took what he had left, and he retreated to the surrounding woods, hoping that someone would find and, and follow back and take the bait, and then he could follow them back to wherever they're going. Okay. Like any group large and well armed enough to risk that would be something worth him trying to infiltrate. I I I, I don't know. So you think that the person following them, the boot person in the woods, is? the owner of this boat i think so because it makes okay. no sense for the other thing that people are trying to speculate is like it's it's a member of the oceanside community like maybe right. the girl cindy or somebody. cindy that's trying to follow but i don't know that that makes sense geographically uh yeah i'm i'm kind of with you i i couldn't really see it being that i mean their boots were wet and kind of boggy it seemed like i don't know it, it seemed like the easiest explanation it somehow connected this houseboat but i have no clue and it looks like that was a pretty big mystery for Almost everyone discussing it online. Right. Uh, Michonne is still... T- oh, wait a second. I'm sorry. Rick, um, after they get everything loaded up, Rick apologizes for making Aaron feel like he doubted him. Rick is just worried that people have lost their faith in him, and he no longer feels comfortable asking them to make supreme sacrifices. And, uh, you know, Aaron and him talk about his attitude and Michonne's and how hard it is to keep you know, give up everything just to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but Aaron says, you know, that's a choice they get to make. They go out and take the risk so that the people they care about's hearts keep beating. Sure. Uh, and that's like, you know, I mean, I'm sympathetic to that view. There's nothing really worse than dying. You can come back from everything short of death sure. in this world. Yeah. So until you have a clear angle on Negan, I, I guess that's the thing I've been missing. Like this, this realization that we're not giving up necessarily. There's just no play to be made. So in the meantime, we have to survive. So when the play, there mm-hmm. is a play to be made. Yeah, I I think actually maybe the most ridiculous statement I can possibly make at the end of this season is that before his death, I was on Spencer's side. I actually think Spencer's plan was a good one, not to kill Rick, but to lull uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Negan, yeah. into some sort of false sense of security here. Right. Find out more about him, about their compound, spend months, maybe years, like he said, doing it, and learn when and where and how to strike. Right. That's that's what you do. That's the that's the core of this resistance. That's what it's going to have to be. I mean, there's a fine and, line. And, and he was just it, either Rick was too stubborn and or, or Rick was too afraid um, to go along with this plan, or Spencer was a little too gung ho and angry about the rest of his family getting killed that he tried to take out Rick and it ended badly for him. I mean, there's a fine line because right. You know, I think Rick's group has been too antagonistic. Maybe Ezekiel's group's been too um compliant and both seem like right. they're yeah. hard to do with the saviors because the saviors are looking to provoke you and looking I mean, that's that's what I don't understand is why Negan allows his stupider thugs to just run roughshod over people that have done yeah. good work for them. Mm-hmm. Like I mean that's just shit makes my blood boil. I don't th- and, and and but he allows it. That's mm-hmm. like a huge weakness that he doesn't seem to be aware of. I don't know. Uh then the wet muddy boot shows up. We talked about that already. 
Michonne is still holding the redheaded savior hostage while they're driving to, I presumably, to go meet Negan. Uh, she asks her a lot of questions, like, how long have you been with Negan? Why are you out here alone? And the woman is stonewalling her, and Michonne says, look, I know you're doing this because you think you can't talk your way out of me shooting you, but you don't know me. Let's just see where this goes. And mm-hmm. the woman continues to stonewall her. Yeah, and she's very adamant, like, I'm I'm going to find a, a way that this ends well for me. Yeah. Like, it's all it's all about her in that moment. When I, so I, how did you take that? I, well, I took it, you know, like I just said. It's, I feel like it's it's about finding a way for her to end this problem. Hmm. Did you, because I thought maybe that would mean her dying. Potentially. Like, I want to end I, this I don't know that that's terms. off the table. Because, like, when she says, I'm not going to kill him today, what... Was she going to go negotiate on Rick's behalf? Like, I'm trying to think of all the things that she could have meant by that, and none of them are particularly good nor compelling. Yeah, I, I don't know if she's just doing some reconnaissance here. Yeah. Um, and that maybe if this woman had talked to her a little bit more, she would have talked her way out of being killed. Um, and then, you know, I but I don't know where that leads for Michelle. Right. Like, if you let, if you let her live, yeah. she's going to tell the group. Exactly. And they're going to come back and mm-hmm. either kill you, or, or just worse. move move all their shit and you'll never find it again. Like, right. Or worse, kill someone you care about that's right. not you. Yeah. Which seems to be what the, the Rick's group can't fucking comprehend. And I guess but, the thing Or I she can go meet Negan and Negan's like, you're going to go give a big speech to Rick about how you can't keep your woman in control and maybe he kills Rick and puts Michonne in charge. Like, there's no, no way if, 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 if you know that you can't defeat him, I don't understand what she's trying to do. And I wish... Well, she didn't know that until she got there, right? Yeah. So... Maybe she was hoping there'd be, like, a fucking, uh, you know, uh, Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. It turns out he doesn't have that. Like, every dude that was around uh-huh. the, the ring or around the fire, that that's all it. the dudes he had. Like, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I And I, I think... This entire plot line, like, I like the fact that they, they showed Michonne turning a corner here. Yeah. But my problem was I didn't understand the redheaded woman's motivation. I didn't understand what Michonne is trying to do. I think she wanted to die. I do, too. Okay. But I also don't understand what the redheaded woman actually showed her. Like, literally, I don't understand what the hell was going on. What, <laughs> right. We, we can get was there. it a roadblock? Sure, we'll talk about it. Yeah. So uh, Maggie is eating a cucumber like a fucking savage. Like an animal. She's just... This is this. Come I'm, on, you are not you are not an ape. Yeah, eat this like a human. Just slice it up. You have yeah. knives. Yeah, don't just fucking eat it like it's uh, a. I don't even like know. Like you're a Norwegian. <laughs> we have <laughs> some email fam- later on. Famed famed for their the savage eating of cucumbers. <laughs> well, if you've read the email, you would know. Uh, Sasha and Enid say that oh, you should run for president. And Sasha lies and says that Jesus left today because uh, Maggie wanted to give him a to-do list for fucking pencils and crayons. Which, if I were Jesus, I'd say fuck you and your pasta machine and your crayons. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. We are on survival basis. Let the kid, kid. Do they have a twig? Is there fire? They can fucking write with charcoal, Maggie. I don't need to go scavenge <laughs> pencils and risk my goddamn neck for yeah, that. Pencils. Anyway. How many kids are there that she's teaching them all? She's got, there's quite, they, they made a point of showing quite a bit of kids at the hilltop. I haven't even seen people at the hilltop. There are like <laughs> three dudes and what, 15 kids? Yeah, yeah, there's 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 Jesus, there's the guy standing on the wall with Maggie, and there's, there's Gregory, Gregory, and that's, that's and there's the blacksmith. And then there's a hundred kids running around, a school <laughs> full of kids running around. And they can all use fucking charcoal pencils as far as I'm concerned. Uh, 
so Maggie goes off, and Enid says, why did you lie about Jesus? Because I know for a fact that he ran off like a, two days ago. And they have a conversation where Sasha essentially says, I'm also going to try to kill Negan, but I don't want Maggie to know about it because Maggie will want to go with me. And mm-hmm. Enid's like, everyone wants to kill ne- ne- Enid, uh, yeah. Negan. The whole community rises up, and Sasha's like, please, that's silly. <laughs> I mean, essentially, right? But Enid's so right. Enid has the community pegs. She does. She does. Yeah. And, and you know, but Sasha's like, if you care about Maggie, you will keep this under wraps because, mm. I don't know. I it, I thought it was weird that Sasha had the entire community pegged wrong. And I wish I'd seen some scenes where Enid was kind of like, in lieu of all this terrible shit, Enid, like, you know, mingling with the the hilltop and seeing people like talking sedition about Gregory and about Negan right. and being yeah. at the boiling point. I mean, they gave us a little bit of that in the episode before they invaded the satellite complex, but I needed, I would like to see more of that, honestly. Like what? Yeah. She, she almost, I don't know if they're not showing a ton of it because they want her to seem extremely perceptive. Uh, but which what's weird I think they pulled off is like, she's always been the loner who's withdrawn from people. And now yeah. she's the one that can read them best of all. Like, that's fine if you want to evolve her character, but mm-hmm. you got to show it, man. Sure. But whatever. Um, yeah, she's kind of the voice of this episode, too, right? I mean, she's saying enough of this one-man army shit. Let's get together and let's do this right. Uh, by the end, everyone has realized it, but she was kind of on board with it from the beginning. So back at the Carroll cabin, Richard is explaining about how there's been lots of places that have come together and fallen apart since the zombie apocalypse struck. And I'm like, dude, we know this is season seven, (laughs) The Walking Dead. I've been through five of them myself. Uh And he had a community and he lost it and his family. And he lost all hope until he found the kingdom in Ezekiel. And that they were a well-organized, slightly crazy Shakespearean breath of fresh air. Uh, and that the saviors recognized how formidable the kingdom was, so they made this deal where they wouldn't set a boot inside if they continued to uh, give him produce. But saviors being what they are, uh, Richard recognizes this as an unstable situation, and he thinks the only solution is to preemptively strike against them uh, before they lose everything. And he wants Morgan and Carol to help convince him since they've got his ear. He's, t- he's talking to the wrong people. I mean, come on. What kind of leader would King Ezekiel be if just because he's physically attracted to Carol that he would listen to her above all else? <laughs> right. Not a rational one. Yeah. Not, like, probably not a very stable or reliable one. I mean, I guess that's a consequence of some of the changes they've made to the characters is like some of this stuff feels a little Hail Mary-ish. Yeah, I mean... You know, like, like, Richard, I, you're a fucking badass and a community leader. Like, uh, if you can't convince him what the hell yeah so i is that his name richard yeah i i didn't bother to learn his name uh i called him shoulder pads sure sure yeah so i i don't know if it's all like oh i think carol's pretty i mean obviously they've had a heart to heart he understands who carol is right um a lot of that kind of stuff so you know every leader does have people they trust and respect and listen to and i think carol could be one of those people but it was it was just kind of all of a sudden. That's right? what I'm saying. It was a single, like, yeah. even though we decried at the time the single focus, it was but one episode that we took Carol uh-huh. from her, you know, fake housewife routine to Ezekiel busting her on that to Ezekiel, uh, you know, forming a relationship with her and then kind of like putting his hat into the, his pomegranate into the romantic interest ring. It would feel better if that was spaced out. 
through yeah. the course of, you know, eight episodes. Yeah. Then it would make sense that, oh, they formed a bond. Because it's literally been six weeks since I saw that episode, and here it's like, oh, yeah, yep. like, Ezekiel trusts you guys more. Than, like, Morgan I bought a little bit more because he King spent- Ezekiel made a point of saying, like, I see something in you. I've been out into shit with you and how you handle yourself and what ri- – and, and, you know, we, we definitely – you are a person that we could, you know, build – parts of this community around right yeah carol just like i know you're a faker mm-hmm. and i, I used think, to be a faker too and yeah. you're hot and here's a pomegranate I mean, maybe that i don't know maybe i'm just complaining over nothing maybe it's just the six weeks has gone by but <laughs> yeah yeah it, it it does feel like it's not as earned of a moment anyway uh rosita and father gabriel have a chat about her single bullet which i thought this scene was pretty good and you know, she lays out the logic of her being a sacrificial lamb. Like, she should have been the one that got her brains beat out. It's only fair that she goes and puts Negan out of his misery now because everyone else has some kind of unique purpose or niche that they fulfill or have someone depending on them but her. Sure. And it's never more on display than it is in the final scene. Right. Actually, you know, she gives a nod to Sasha, but apart from that, like, nobody's looking to Rosita. Nobody's rushing up to hug Rosita. Right. Uh,. I, I do really like Gabriel's way of talking to Rosita here, right? Yeah. Like, look, you, sure, I, I agree. That fucker's got to die. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a man of the cloth, and I'm telling you that. I'm not a very good man of the cloth. I've killed many people in my own congregation. But, right. Uh, Out of selfishness and, and, and cowardice. Right. But this guy's got to die, and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to. Right. And, and not, like, saying that to her, but getting her to understand his point by asking questions. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sure, he has to method. die. Why do you need to die? Sure. And also just like, yes, we need to win and we will win, but we have to make wait for a moment or we have to create it together. Sure. And you're part of that together. We need you. Yeah. Uh, and I honestly think that she had abandoned her decision to kill Negan and it wasn't the until the, the graphic moment of, mm-hmm. of Spencer who... I think she kind of realized she has genuine feelings for her deep down inside. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the shock of losing yet another boyfriend to this asshole that <laughs> made her just impulsively shoot him. I'm yeah, not, yeah, I think you're right. I'm not uh, overlooking or excusing it, and I also think that it's dumb that she was swayed by Father Gabriel and not Eugene, because Eugene said damn near as much eloquent things and true things as she needed to hear, and she just wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Like I said, I've been pretty critical of Father Gabriel. I thought... Um, if this is his role, which is essentially talk sense into all these stupid people, uh-huh. that's maybe something he can do. Yeah, he doesn't have to necessarily be heroic. He doesn't or, have to win the argument. Or noble, or any any of those things. He can yeah. just be a voice of reason. And I, I think, you know, I, I don't want to say too much about religion because I don't know a lot about outside of, uh, religions that are not what I grew up in. But I think that's usually the role of a priest in a community anyway. Like, you go to your father with Some your sort troubles. Of counselor, yeah. And, and he counsels you. You know, he, he may counsel you from the Bible, or he may counsel you just kind of from his own knowledge of the world. Right. Um, but that, that, I feel, is like the, the best role of a priest, right. usually. And I think half of, well, more than half of successful counseling is just listening to people. Sure. Like you don't even have to have good advice. Just like they will tell you what they want. Having them talk <laughs> it out, and sometimes that's all people need is to talk something out, and then they know the decision, what decision they should make. So, right, I, I agree. I think that would be a useful role for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, it seems like it wasn't. I, I don't know. I guess it was effectual. I guess it did do something. 
to change your mind. Uh, Daryl continues to sneak around the savior complex, trying to escape the questionable musical tastes of their saviors. (laughs) Like uh, this background music they were listening to. I'm like, what? This is just terrible. It was bad. Yeah. Why would anyone, why would any group of people, is this what they did? Maybe they all hate each other. Like I want to listen to rap. I want to listen to country. I want to listen to pop. I want to listen to gospel. So they all agree to something they all hate just to piss each other off. That's the only explanation for why this is playing in this group with this group of people, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I don't know. It's that seems bad. like a reasonable explanation. They had two really odd music choices in a row. Mm-hmm. Like last week, we talked about it was the. It sounded like the warm-up band for Explosions in the Sky. Yeah. This sounded like almost like a warm-up band for like like who would would uh be the undercard for a Weird Al Yankovic concert. <laughs> okay. You know. This sounded like the the stage music they play before the band comes on. Uh-huh. Like just so people can like sure, find their seats mill around and, and get drinks. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah this is your 10 minute warning before the act starts. Right. Uh, back at the Carol uh, cabin, Richard hilariously doubts Carol's combat experience. And I love her deadpan, you're wrong. And then Morgan's like, you're very wrong. Yeah. She may be the most capable fighter in this room. Which, it's funny because any other show I'd be primed to call bullshit. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's like, whatever. But Carol, I can't really dispute that. Like, she fucking was a, a, a dyed-in-the-wool true killer in, yeah. like, two or three different episodes. Yep. Like she fucking took, she cleaned out Terminus. Yeah. And she retook Alexandria from the wolves almost single handedly. Yeah. It was fucking awesome. So, uh, yeah, you underestimate the, the, the silver fox at your fucking peril. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she says, look, I don't want any part of this. This is why I'm here. I don't want any of you coming here. I don't want to have anything to do with your lives, your deaths. I think I am tired of being, feeling responsible for the things that happen around me and being a leader. And I just, I, I, it's essentially Atlas's shrugging in this little cabin. And Morgan kind of backs her up with some of his morgalizing. And Richard's like, you know, it's not enough to, to just choose to, that you have to kill. You're going to, it's going to get so bad that you're going to have to, you're not going to be forced to kill. You're going to have to choose to kill. And mm-hmm. why not make that choice before someone that you love dies, which I thought was pretty, pretty powerful. And he says, if you don't, the blood will be on your hands. But then he looks him over and says, maybe you're used to that. Which, that's kind of these people's problems, right? They both feel culpable for deaths that are haunting them. Sure. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know that I totally disagree with Morgan here. Like, you are, by by pushing the issue, by pressing it, uh, you're going to have to kill people. Mm-hmm. That Morgan is essentially saying... You may not have to like if you if you don't press the issue here, maybe it never comes to that point where you have to go kill these people. Yeah, this you is don't a piece. Know you don't know that the, that the is savior gonna is going to push it further than this, right? Uh, I think he's foolish. I, but, I do too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a viewpoint. It's 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 something you can debate. Whereas last season, it was just a pure philosophical response that seemed stupid in yes. the context of the zombie apocalypse. So that's I guess that's progress. <laughs> But I have a theory that they're setting these two up to be these foils, and only one of them is going to survive whatever chaos comes next. Okay. Uh, because it just seems like one there, whichever dies first is going to pull the other one off of their paralysis. Yeah, yeah, they have linked them in such a way that 
yeah. you know, Morgan's already killed to save Carol. Yeah, like I, I, I don't see both of them surviving, but one of them is going to have to die so the other one can be galvanized into action. Yeah. So I'm not sure who it's going to be, but that's my theory. Uh, Carol tells them to both get out. She doesn't want to see either one of them again, and they do. And we then go back to Alexander, and Spencer cleans up his house, then his face, which I thought was a weird camera trick that they kind of slowly pan, and the room goes from being trashed because Rick tossed it for contraband to mm-hmm. it being clean. And to, to, to the extent that I thought we were actually flashing back before the zombie apocalypse. I thought we were going to see a, like, why is Spencer the way he is kind of scene. Right, so... But it, I, I actually knew we were flashing forward because, like, the house was empty. I think like, we just after, flashed horizontally. <laughs> well, I mean, we flashed a, a forward the, the, a little bit. We like flashed an hour forty-five or minutes into the future. <laughs> yeah, but I knew we were flashing forward because, like, the house was totally empty except except for Spencer and his mom would never leave him home alone. Yeah, but I, they I, they pan past with suitcases, and I thought that's like maybe <laughs> maybe we're just going to uh, like the, you know they're. His mom's packing off to go to D. I don't, I don't know what the hell, but it, I thought it was weird. Yeah. Uh, and I, I thought it worked. Then he practices saying hi in the mirror, which, Jesus, man, this is why you shouldn't be talking to Negan. Uh, Richard then, after his disappointment at the Carroll cabin, retreats to a little no camping area, which hilariously they act like it's the fucking entrance to the Bat Cave. Okay. Like, yeah. this is just a clearing in the woods, man. Like, this wasn't the only point of entrance, but whatever. Uh, inside this little small camper, there's some stored gas and it looks like water. And he has, you know, he just has himself a little cry. Yeah, I guess this is his nest. Is that what's happening I don't here? know whether it's his... We're supposed to understand it's his family's old RV or it's just his Fortress of Richardtude. I don't... Yeah, seems I, like it. I don't know. And I don't even know why this scene was important for us to see. Yeah, I don't know. Because Cause I don't care about this guy. Like, you haven't done anything to make him a character yet. Maybe that's the road they're starting on. I mean, he certainly seems like he's the one. Like, there's there's somebody at every uh, location except for maybe Alexander where everyone is on this board. But it seems like he's the one. In the, well, no one in the kingdom knows except for Ezekiel and his inner knights what's going on here. Right. But also, we already knew that Richard was kind of over these guys. Like, everything about his character in the first episode we saw him mm-hmm. uh, was very much anti-savior. He got beat up by him. He challenged them. He was feeding them dead, zombie-infested pig guts. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't I don't know why it's important to see him cry for two minutes in this, this place. Because he's got a lot of gas there, but, like, not enough to power a war effort. He's got, it looks right. like empty bottles, which I didn't understand what the significance yeah, the of the empty bottles. bottles. Yeah, that was weird. I don't know. Like, I thought that maybe they're full of water, but it didn't look like they were when he brought them to Carol. Mm-hmm. I mean... Maybe he's going to fill them with gas, make some Molotovs. <laughs> there you go. Big, big-ass Molotovs. Mm-hmm. Um, Spencer uh, is, is walking down the streets of Alexandria to meet uh, Negan. He's got a half-drank bottle of uh, some kind of bourbon in his, in his hands. Rosita sees him and asks him if he's on a hot date, and he says, I'm just doing what I think my mom would do, which is build up trust and uh, rapport. Which that is might... ground me and send me to my room. <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> Say, I'm such a disappointment compared to my older brother. <laughs> uh, and maybe this will pay off in the coming months and years. And then he also says, I thought we had something good. And she says, I used you because you were handsome to forget the situation I was in. 
And then he says, I, would you be up for dinner? And she goes, no, I used you. <laughs> no, she doesn't do that. Uh, the things that I use, I do not take out for dinner. I discard them. I throw them away. That's the definition of use, Spencer. <laughs> I hate to disappoint you, Aaron. She doesn't say any of that. <laughs> no, she actually seems charmed by this guy, yeah. which I don't, I don't buy this relationship at all. I, I mean, so he's a good Rosita. looking guy, right? Yeah, no, and, I totally Rosita, get it. I'm trying. I'm really trying to see Rosita's point of view here. Like, okay, how can he's a this woman guy respect? And he's tr- he's charming in some ways. Every once in a while, he's okay. Sweet is how she describes. Sweet him. is what she says. I don't know, man. He's just this woman is just a fucking post-apocalyptic badass. I don't see how yeah. she can overlook his this guy's cowardice and softness. Right. I I'm with you. It's. It's not going to work out long term. Maybe she's just going to give him another dose of medicine, use him again, and then send him on his way. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it'd be interesting if she's like, hey, I'll con- I'm content to keep using you, bud. But right. uh, I don't know, because they also seem to build this into the inciting event to shoot Negan slash Lucille. And like I said, I just, I just didn't buy it. Yeah. Like, Spencer shouldn't have been this big of a shit, I guess. But whatever. Uh, Fat Joe busts Daryl trying to steal a bike, and Daryl, in turn, busts Fat Joe's head wide open. Uh, Fat Joey says, please, please, I'm just trying to get by. Uh, Daryl says, it ain't about getting by here, it's about getting it all. And Jesus Mm -hmm. comes around the corner and sees Daryl shocked at the savagery. Uh, I was too, frankly. No mercy, Daryl. I don't whatsoever. blame him. Like, I don't either. We just 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 a taste of what we saw them put the dehumanizing dehumanizing shit that they put him through. I can totally see where he would just beat the shit out of anyone that he got a chance to sure. do. Sure. Yeah. So uh, back at Alexandria, uh, what's going on? Oh yeah, Spencer goes to meet with Negan, and his like retainers kind of like block his way. Um, but eventually Negan comes out and says, yeah, come on in, I guess. Um, Michonne is then shown by the redheaded savior. They drive up on a hillside and she goes, look at this. This is Negan. And she gestures to a crossroads in a fairly wide open field where hundreds of people are just milling around. Mm hmm. And I had if if this is a, a traffic block or some kind of checkpoint, it's the most inefficient checkpoint of all mm-hmm. like those people have got to shit those people have got to eat like there's got to be supply like I-, I wish i knew what the hell they were doing i don't know um <sighs> yeah it's a real puzzler it-, it can't just be a show of force because who are they showing it to? right and and how are they not seeing if if michonne can see them how are and they're in the middle of the road that they're guarding how did they not see them right like this i'm this is like the season opener of season two where it's just they wanted to do this one thing, but it was just staged and conceived so poorly that I just didn't – I had no idea. I had no idea what she was looking at and why it was so impressive. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of just bodies sheer down numbers, there. Right. But without any context of who they are and where they're at and what they're doing – like, yeah, it's sheer numbers, but again, I want to know what the hell are they doing? Yeah, I mean, the questions are different than the ones they probably want you to be asking. Right. Um, like, you know, does this woman want to die? That almost gets lost in in the scene here. Right. You know, I think she's committing suicide by Michonne, but 
I'm not sure because I'm asking those same questions you are. Well, I should be paying attention to what she's saying. I know. And she says, this is Negan. We're all Negan. Uh, whatever you're trying to do, it's not going to work, but you still have choices. You can burn this car, roll it into a lake, and lose it, and then kill me with the silencer in the back, essentially. Mm-hmm. Which Michonne does. Which I guess I've come to appreciate that this woman, I guess, was tired of Negan's shit and just wanted to die. Yeah. Why did she then fight Michonne? Like, there... Right, I find her on the way over there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can, I can kind of get into what I, I, I'm picking up what they're laying down, but so much of this stuff just doesn't match up and doesn't add up, and the situation just doesn't feel like it's grounded in any kind of reality. It didn't work at all for me. Yeah, and I honestly didn't know. I didn't understand Michonne's motivations quite enough. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, none of this. Like, I appreciate that Michonne has come around, uh, but I don't. I don't know but what, from where. Yeah, I don't know what facts and what information that she's going on other than there's a lot of dudes here. Right. Which okay, I get it. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, you know, she takes that as there are too many to take on by myself. Right. You know, even if I were to sneak in, even if I were to kill Negan. There perhaps. are so many saviors that they can essentially throw a woodstock in the middle of this crossroads <laughs> and uh-huh. you know, not disrupt their operations. So Yeah. This this large outdoor festival concert, this 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 fucking uh, Renaissance fair they're putting on is is impressive. I better go back and tell Rick that we're doomed. I I, I don't I don't get it. Uh, and also, it seemed like there was not a lot of people getting it online too. So if you feel like you know what they're doing, please send us an email at watching dead watching dead dot com. Yeah, because we are going to be doing a recap. Yeah, uh, we're gonna season. we're gonna do a hurry up recap. We're gonna do like a look ahead and a wrap up whatever. A, a little season wrap up, and we're gonna get it out this Friday. Yeah, uh, so it's 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 a very shortened uh, recap week, but we're wanting to shut down for Christmas next week. So uh, that's what you got to, uh, to look forward to. Uh, then we have um, Rick arriving at the gate, and he's pissed to find out that Negan's there. And there's just a bunch of savior assholes hassling about looking at uh, his supply before they pass. Uh, Negan and Spencer are sitting on the porch and drinking. Negan wants to play pool, but he wants to play it outside. Uh, Spencer informs him that there's a pool out in the garage, and apparently they they drag it out. Not super important. Also, I I found online that he refers to this one woman as a rat. Mm Mm-hmm. There's act she's she is supposed to be a savior that's actually called Tara in the comics. But since in the television show they already have a Tara, they thought it was clever to just right. reverse the name and call her a rat. Mm-hmm. That's sure why not? That's something you can do. Yeah, sure. you can definitely do that if you're writing a show. Uh <laughs> but like, I just thought that was like I don't know, I thought a rat was kind of a cool name until I found that out. Yeah. Uh so the saviors find, uh, as they're going through Rick and Aaron's uh, find, they see the middle finger note, and they think that Aaron left it there, and they jump a shit about it, and Aaron suddenly finds himself tongue-tied and cannot string together the three or four sentences right. that would probably avoid all this. Uh, but on the other hand, I think they just wanted to kick one of these guys' asses just because they're assholes and they're bullies. And they beat, savagely beat Aaron right in front of Rick. Mm-hmm. And while when they're finished, he helps Aaron to his feet, and he ironically quips, "My heart's still beating, right?" And I think this is what turned the corner on Rick. Like he's seeing that there is no play in which you know we can coexist with these people. They're going to grind us into dust, right? And 
I mean, even... This is Nazi Germany. It cannot be appeased. Yeah, this is what Richard was talking about. Um, shoulder pads, what he was talking about when he says, you know, these these people can't be trusted. They're going to take it too far. And they are here. I mean, this is not part of the deal. Rick just brought back a massive haul. Uh, he was trying to hand it all over, and they kicked the shit out of him just because. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of... Like, these people don't... Anyone that's that's okay with this kind of power structure is bad by definition, sure. mm-hmm. uh, and they're not they're 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 outlaws. Like they're not going to respect any kind of agreement. And I guess that's Negan's weakness. I and and I thought that he was going to be like you know very law and order if he kept his troops in line, and he was the only one that could like you know tactically use cruelty to make a point. Mm-hmm. But these guys are just like fucking, you know playing around with toys they don't understand what they're doing and they don't understand the the if you just arbitrary and capricious nature of these punishments they're actually going to you reach a point where a person's back against a wall and it's like well why not rebel yeah like nothing that's to lose it, you, it's 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 a dangerous powder keg type of situation mm-hmm. and i don't know it makes it makes negan seem a little dumber than i think they want him to be yeah or uh, even if he's not, even if he understands this, he doesn't have a tight enough grip on the people beneath him. Yeah, where where they don't act out like this, right? Because surely he has to understand the kind of position he's in. Like a guy doesn't get to the place where Negan is without understanding these things. But maybe I mean we don't really know how he got to the place he's at, so maybe he did. I I just I can't imagine that he could be that manipulative of people without understanding the consequences of those types of actions. Yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. Uh, so Spencer says he wants to talk to Negan about Rick because Rick has got a history of not working well with others. And he explains how his mom used to rule this place and everything was just hunky dory and that I can be the leader that she was. And that's what this place needs. And that's what you need. Uh, Negan retorts that Rick hates my guts, but he's out there working for me. He's swallowing his hate and getting things done to protect the people he loves. You are here while he's away trying mm-hmm. to get me to eliminate your rival for you. Yeah. And my guess is because you don't have guts. And then he finds Spencer's guts and he admits that he's wrong. Yeah. They were uh, inside him the whole time, which I freaking love. It love was the line from Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah. Where he's like, I have never <laughs> been so like, boy, is my, I forget exactly what he said. But yeah. I have never been so wrong in my <laughs> whole life. And I thought that, so I thought the reactions were eth- epic and they kind of, you know, uh, panned around and you got everybody's reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of wish that they'd played a little bit more like, eh, you know, because this <laughs> was, was such. Spencer. Yeah, it's like oh, yeah. this. This kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spencer would do something that stupid. I mean, they've been living with him for years, right? They know, right? Like he's the least capable of her sons, and one of the sons was like spectacularly incapable. Mm-hmm. He didn't even make it through like three episodes. Right. So, uh, I, I just wish there had been a little bit of kind of like, eh. Uh, Negan says he wants someone to step forward to clean the mess, or they can come finish the game of pool. And Rosita takes this opportunity to whip out her gun and shoot Negan, which then goes to a commercial b- break, a the, the the smallest of cliffhangers. Right, which, you know, fine. The cliffhanger got us talking. Like, during that commercial break, we were like, did they just shoot Negan? Did yeah. they just kill Negan? I mean, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's a big actor. They might have just killed him. When I was thinking, like, yeah, I was like, well, that makes sense because that would save some money. And also uh-huh. they've got this weird thing where – 
you know, Daryl's with the Saviors and, and Dwight is kind of evil. Maybe Dwight takes over the Saviors. Uh-huh. And, like, I think that... And they've been making this whole thing of we are Negan, so maybe someone, anybody, steps up and becomes yeah. Negan. Yeah, like, that's literally going to be true. Yeah. But it turns but out... they don't. It, it turns out this headshot machine mm-hmm. with her one bullet manages to hit Lucille. Oh, my God. And it embed into the bat, and he this is ridiculous. Jeffrey Dean Morgan's performance, where he plays Negan as like slightly terrified, but also pissed beyond belief and jacked with mm-hmm. adrenaline, I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also correctly deduces that this is a homemade bullet, right. and you know, Rosita, to her credit, is kind of a badass in resisting the like you know because because a rat gets right in her face and puts a knife. And I thought, like, okay, well, maybe Rosita's face will get carved up, or maybe she'll die. Like, I didn't, like, I was, as it was happens, like, I don't see how anyone makes it out of this alive, because right. if Negan allows this to stand, mm-hmm. on top of the Carl aggression, on top of the other, then, there's, you know, there's just no way. An authoritarian leader can't let this shit slide. No, it's, so it's kind of, I don't know how to take this, because he, he doesn't kill anyone for trying to kill him. Right. He kills them because they won't give up who made the bullet. Right. So is it cool to try to kill Negan? Is he fine with that? Well, I think... <laughs> is this like Klingon society where he just tips his... He dots his hat and says, good job, good day to you, sir? I, well, I think killing Olivia like, was tactical because it was... And then stealing Eugene was a lot of punishment. That's something that Rosita has to carry on her shoulders now. Oh, Absolutely, that's de- but here's the thing: he couldn't have known that. He couldn't have known that they had this conversation about the bullet and how it's going to cost someone, but it's not going to cost Rosita. It's going to cost someone else. Yeah. And she denied the whole thing, and then now it's all coming true. But also, he also had just killed Spencer, so like, there's got to be a tactical consideration of like, how many people can I really kill in this community? I feel and... like you got to kill one for trying to kill you. Yeah, I broadly because that is the most offensive thing you can do. Yes, right. Yeah, that's the one Take a direct thing that cannot shot. not be allowed. Like it seems exactly. like it seems like you would kill you would kill someone that she actually cares about and her. Right. So just you know that if anybody steps to me, it's going to be you and your friends and family. Instead, he kills no one for that. Yeah, it's he he weird. sliced he lets her cut her face on a knife. Yeah, which was pretty fucking badass. Which was pretty badass. Uh, Maybe he just has ultimate respect for badass. Like he doesn't kill Carl because Carl's a little badass. Mm-hmm. He doesn't kill Rosita because Rosita is a badass. I don't know. It's kind of well. I mean, I think he also really likes. That's the other kind of low key thing is I think he really likes Rosita. Like like looks wise everything. Okay, that she's a badass and yeah. that she's hot. And that... Like, I think he would probably find it pretty interesting and rewarding to break a person like that. Oh, kind of like Daryl? And, and put him in... <laughs> well, yeah, but only, yeah. like, you know, like a Daryl you can fuck. Like, you know, to, add, to bring him into his <laughs> fold of quote-unquote wives. Right. You know, like... Yeah, and that's good luck how, with that. So I'm trying to figure out Negan, because maybe an accurate way to read Negan is that he's just bored. Like, he's run okay. roughshod over this world and has won for so long. He's kind of like Conan at the end of The Barbarian. He's sitting on the throne, and he just looks bored and like, you know, why the fuck did I do, why did I do all this conquering? And now – and Rick's group, like, even though it's a huge threat, it's also rekindled his love of victory again. Mm-hmm. So, like, he – I don't – I think on some level it's like, the, why doesn't the Joker kill the Batman? Because then what he would – what he do? Ruin his fun. Yeah. So that's hmm. – 
you know, you got to go to Joker logic, but that kind of makes a little bit of sense. Maybe. I mean, he seems like he's a a bit insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I want to bring up one thing about this whole scene here. Okay. That I found uh, confusing, or maybe not confusing, but I'm just looking for a, a solid answer to. So at the beginning of this scene, they're out playing pool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can Drew see Drew Carey style. Oh, he, did he have a pool table in his yeah, backyard? Yeah, he has in his backyard, right? right Which right. seems like it would go to sh- in it Cleveland. It would be ruined immediately. In Cleveland, yeah. one win- Midwest winter would fuck that table up. Oh, unless it's made absolutely. Yeah, unless it was made out of like pure marble or something. It's the fiberglass top. Can you imagine how hard those edges would be? Oh you, man, you bank off a of pure marble with a oh man. Yeah, you'd chip. You chip balls or, all the time. Yeah. And, yeah. Anyway, so they're they're outside playing pool, and you can see the Alexandrians kind of wandering up mm-hmm. to the pool table. And I couldn't tell – I don't know why so many of them would just wander up to this pool table where this madman is playing pool. I think, they were, I think they were summoned. Right. So if they were summoned, that tells me that he was planning something – with Spencer all along. Yeah. And that it wasn't really the, I took your guts out because you're coming at the leader of your community and you're a coward. It was more like, I'm going to kill this guy because I can see that he's duplicitous. Yeah, I see. I think he smoked out the intention of this trip uh, way before. Right. Pretty much, yeah. Right. I I think you're right, yeah. I mean, they didn't show that, and I'm I'm fine with it because I think it works. Because otherwise, it's just dumb. They just all kind of like, oh, the pool in the street, that's kind of cool. Right. But but you want to be anywhere near this guy right now? Yeah. No thanks. I want to see. I want to see that Negan. If he how he, 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 he say what you will, he strokes a mean cue ball, <laughs> right? You know, like they're trying. <laughs> they want to see the Black Widow of the Alexandria community Ex- of the apocalypse. <laughs> exactly. So Rick comes up all pissed, and Negan is delighted to see him. He's like Rick, and I think this is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Uh, uh, what do you call that? An ad an ad lib? I think so. Yeah, because I you know I've I've heard, um, I've I've heard Rick, uh, Andrew Lincoln say, uh, that you get like you do so much screaming that you tear your voice out and like the height of doing Walking Dead and like that he oh, and John Bernthal like when John was off and like he would call him from the set of Wolf of Wall Street and you know he'd be like oh sounds like you had one of those days when An- that Andrew could barely speak. Uh-huh. And this was like you know he his voice is cracked because he'd ripped it up and doing these scenes and he just quipped that your people got me screaming so much I've I've lost my voice loved it and Rick comes accusing so I thought we had a deal he's like look your kid hid in one of my trucks and machine gunned a bunch of my dudes it's fair and I brought him back home and made him spaghetti and Rick's face is just priceless he can't <laughs> fucking believe it another one of your people wanted me to kill you and put hit him in charge and I took him out. Uh, and then someone shot Lucille, and I killed one of your biggest mouths that you had to feed. So Rick then says, look, your shit's at the gate. Just go. And Negan essentially says, I ain't leaving without finding who made his bullet. Mm-hmm. And Arat threatens Eric, uh, Aaron's boyfriend. Then Tara steps forward to confess, and Eugene quickly takes it on his shoulders. Negan believes him, asks Lucille for strength. I think this is to not kill anyone. Yeah. Because I think he really wanted to. He really wanted to follow your advice. Mm-hmm. And then he says he's taking Eugene and threatens Rick that he's way in the hole as far as collections because of this stunt. Tells him his kitchen's a goddamn mess. And then takes off. And Rosita's kind of begging him 
to not take Eugene to take her and said, but look, you, you fucked up, Rosita. Yeah. Eugene said this, there's a price to be paid and you won't be the one paying it. And you wanted your fucking bullet. So there you go. Right. And I, I, I love this moment because, you know, it's not just that someone else is paying the cost, but it's the very person who told her there would be cost for other people to pay. Right. And it, it has never stung more for Rosita right now. Right. Because, you know. Which is awesome. Eugene, Eugene's right. Eugene it, is right. And if he gets out of the situation, he's going to be insufferable. That's, <laughs> that's, that's true. That's yeah. the real problem here. Uh, so then, you know, uh, Andrew Lincoln's given Rick one of his patented Rick is shattered faces when fucking Spencer rises from the dead. Uh, yeah, I forgot this was going to happen. And yeah. It was such a nice surprise. And, and Rick kind of looked like this is just what I needed. <laughs> uh-huh. This is just the thing that I needed. Uh, we cut the commercial and then we come back and Rick is in prison. The prison that Morgan was, was building. Prison of his own making. <laughs> He is has no bars, uh, he, but he's still in it, and he's kneeling in front of the "you lose" sign and the hatchet. Now, last night when I was watching it, I thought that that um, you remember last season that before they went on the uh, ill-fated raid on the Savior Complex, that Eugene entrusted Rick with like schematics for building bullets. Yeah, I thought that's what he was looking at, hmm. and I'm like, oh, that's interesting that he's literally po- pondering like the choice between. You know, and thinking out tactics and whatever. The fact that he's meditating before the hatchet and the fuck you, you lose. Like, I I don't know what they're going for, the symbolism. Well, if I were to guess, I would say maybe it is... Rick's tired of losing. He wants to pick the hatchet. Well, if if he gets his way here, um, you know, and the community just kind of tolerates the existence they have under Negan, maybe that is in itself a form of losing for the community. Yeah. And so he's trying to figure out, should he stay the course that he's set or should he pick up the hatchet? Should he, you know, kind of do what everybody in this community wants him to do and fight back. Right. Uh, but then also maybe the fact is he's looking, he's like, I just got a hatchet. What is yeah, that going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Negan's giving me the middle finger and I got a hatchet. What am I going to do? Uh, Michonne finds him there and says, I found my way. I want it, but I want it to be our way. And I found that there's more of them that we thought, and it's like numbers is not even close. So I know we can't really do anything now, but it doesn't change how I feel that we have to fight for Judith and Carl and for Alexander and the Hilltop and for everyone. Mm-hmm. And Rick says, I know that now. And next we see Maggie up on the wall. There's a great speech from Michonne. It really yeah. was. No, this yeah. scene this scene was pretty great. It wasn't the whole, like, you don't know what it is out there and we got to make tough. Right. Like, I... I wish I know more about what Michonne was thinking and doing when she tried this whole thing, but even and because it, it would land even even more. But with, right. even without that knowledge, I still felt it landed pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Maggie spots spots Rick and company coming up, and he asks her if she's okay, and she says that yes, I and the baby are 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 okay, and Rick says he's ready to fight. And Daryl and Jesus are there, too. And Rick uh-huh. and Daryl hug. And then they start making out. And then Daryl slips Rick mm-hmm. his python. And then they tenderly make love. Uh, <laughs> Sasha and Rosita have a bit of a moment. Carl and Enid have a bit of a moment. Mm-hmm. Tara and Jesus randomly have a bit of a moment because why not? They were feeling left out. Yeah. Wouldn't that? As I long thought, as nobody hugs Rosita, god damn it. <laughs> I thought it would be so funny if Tara and Jesus have this, like, well, there's nobody else for us. Uh-huh. They don't know each other's gay, and they decide, like, we're just going to try to make this work, and then they find out they're both gay. It's like a gift of the Magi situation. Okay. 
Okay. Like, Tara knows she's gay, <laughs> but the- you know what? I'm going to try to make with Jesus because we're the uh-huh. only ones here to have a moment with. And Jesus is like, I know I'm gay, but I'm going to make with this straight woman. So just what's the end game human- on that? Uh, that's, I'm just saying, the reveal that like you they know they're, and- they're, they're both gay. And okay. then they all laugh and, I don't know, brush each other's hair, whatever. <laughs> Sure. I mean, Jesus got the like. I brushed Jesus' hair. hair. Yeah, he's got I'd, the hair I'd for his it. beard. Uh, so yeah, I, I like this moment a lot. I think this is like a really sure. It got uh, me a, a a hopeful and positive way to end what has been a pretty pretty damaging season, half season. And I'm I'm joking because you know some of this stuff was a little silly, but mm-hmm. you know. Daryl giving Rick his 357 back had a lot of, like, Gandalf giving Theoden his sword in Lord of the Rings after he'd turned into a shriveled old man, like... I don't, I don't remember. God, you saw fucking Lord of the I Rings. I saw it. I don't didn't... leave me hanging. This, I, this isn't even fucking Harry Potter. I know. I know you saw these movies. I, God I didn't damn care it, enough. Jim. And also, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> Everyone else on the planet got it, so that's what's going to be important to me. Yes, definitely. Anyway, uh... Yeah, yeah it is. I, I thought no is good, and I, I, you know, I'm a sucker for Carl and Enid, and I thought like uh-huh. they're, I don't know, Carl's a little bit smug for how they left things, but you know, whatever. It's young love, and mm-hmm. you know, Rick and Daryl getting back together is kind of like the beating heart of this show, right? And uh, and and Rick's now the leader again, right? Yeah, I mean, in all of and these he's, people's he's got eyes, his right hand man back. Yeah, giving him that that gun was the symbol that sure. says he's the, he's our leader again. And they set this thing up like, you know, Rick, you know when when Negan is kneeling down in front in, in Rick's face and saying, "I didn't just kill your right-hand man, did I?" Well, no, mm-hmm. he didn't. He just amputated it and take took it back to uh the savior compound and now he's reunited and like right. all the stuff is coming together and they have this kind of heroic walking off into the camera that I'm a big fucking sucker, and I'm probably going to be let down, but I got a, I got pretty excited for next season. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, you know, and I I still like if I if I look back and I think like, man, what if they didn't do that Tara bullshit, or what if mm-hmm. like the, the, this season it wouldn't have been great, but it would have been a lot more it would have been a lot more engaging had they taken this kingdom stuff and just woven it through the rest of the plot, right? And I can't see how any how anyone can look at these episodes where they've managed to successfully get you know see all these this table being set and all these things coming into collision and how relatively exciting it was versus the complete little momentum killer of the terror episode and try to do this shit again. Like but I they hope will. They I will as you said this is a damaging season and I hope that they if if, if to the extent that the creative can tell even the most basic story. I hope that they can use this to kind of like beat down the suits and say like, look, we lost like a third of our audience in a single season. And if we don't fucking turn up the heat a little bit, it's going to it's going to keep being like this. And then who the fuck is going to buy your surfaces and your fucking Hyundais and your God go see your goddamn movies and all that shit. Yeah. So I don't know. We have an after credit sequence. Oh, right. Yes. All is quiet on the eastern Alexandria front. Father Gabriel standing lookout, which, what the hell? Like, I like you, but I don't know if he's the one who should be standing night watch. Yeah. And Booty McBootface shows up with their oozing muddy boots. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. You know what this means, Jim? What does it mean? I don't know. I was hoping you would tell me because <laughs> I fucking have no idea who this is uh, supposed to be or represent. It means whoever was at that boat complex, the the nested boat society has come up to the gates 
I just have a question. Why should I care? Well, I mean, maybe... I don't know yet. Maybe this is something to get the comic book people worked up because... Oh, maybe. To me, this is like a less exciting tease than the Wolves, and the Wolves ended up being kind of a minor fizzle themselves. They were just... Yeah, a little bit. They were just filler material to delay the coming of Negan. What the hell is this boot person going to be that's going to really mix things up as far as... I don't know. I mean, I guess there's... So this is a cliffhanger that I'm cool with, right? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't actually have much to do with anything that we've seen. Right. It's not like... It's a tease for things to come. Yeah, which is fine by me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm I'm interested to see what the speculation is, you know, over the next three months or whatever until Walking Dead comes back. Right. Because I think there's going to be a lot of it. Right. Well, I have a little bit of stuff I want to say about this in kind of the spoiler section, if we okay. have a spoiler section for this week. But that's really all I have to say about the episode. Um, you know, like most seasons, this neat, this had about two to three episodes of fat mm-hmm. that could have been safely excised, and then the remaining stories w- woven together in a much more interesting fashion. And you would have had, if you did that, you would have had eight regular length episodes that were pretty taut and interesting. Right. So can we learn? Can we learn this lesson? <laughs> that's the big, the big. Uh, question going into season seven seven point five we'll see we'll see before we get to feedback uh once again like to advertise the club bald move if you don't like advertising in your podcast you can join up and make it go away uh if you like to hear us talk and think hey i wonder what these guys would sound like talking about a bunch of other random stuff we got you covered because we got bonus content right now we're doing the badass bald move christmas where we're doing live watches and special podcasts on christmas themed Badass movies such as Rocky IV and uh, Die Hard. This week is Jingle All the Way, the mm-hmm. great Jake Lloyd Schwarzenegger contribution. Best, you can go to support.baldmove.com, join the club risk-free for 30 days, uh, and get access to all the content for free. And if you don't like it, cancel, and uh, you can siphon all of our content and get away scot-free. <laughs> Nothing we can do to stop you. We'll just be like, oh, it'll be like Negan. I want to bash your brains out, but for some mysterious reason, I can't can't do it. Uh-huh. I'm too damn hoarse, and my bat's too damn shot, and it's just not going to happen. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, risk-free. Try it. Support.baldmove.com. We do need your support. We're independent podcasters. We derive near all of our income through listener support. So if you do value the work we do here on The Walking Dead or on Westworld or Game or Game of Thrones or Leftovers or Better Call Saul or anything that's coming up here in the late winter, spring, please help us at support.baldmove.com. Thanks. All right, let's get into the feedback. We start off with Kelly T, who has some clarifications on the radios that we saw last episode. Okay. There was one kind of poking out of Michelle's bag on the ground. And then Rick was looking at the one, yeah. Yeah, she says, I'm pretty sure they were just trying to show the tension between Rick and Michonne about signing up for the Negan Mattress of the Month Club. (laughs) Essentially, like, the argument they were having in this episode is, is kind of shown because they both seem to ponder using the radios, but both decide not to. Uh, I see. They are each doing something the other would not approve of, Rick foraging for Negan, Michonne going after Negan, and this prompts them to opt out of checking in with each other. This is the post-apocalyptic version of the rom-com trope where they're having an out and they're both looking at their cell phones, uh-huh. seeing if anyone called, but they're not. They're too proud to pick up the phone and call. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Patience B writes in with some comments on Bamboo. Bamboo in the south. All right. Uh, southeast. Bamboo seems to be everywhere on the east coast. 
You see it take over areas along highways and random neighborhoods all over. No shit. I can't speak for every state, but I have witnessed it in Pennsylvania, Maryland, D.C., and Virginia, which makes me assume it is easily thriving in most eastern states. My neighbor planted some in his yard, and now the entire neighborhood is constantly chopping and poisoning it and trying to keep it from taking over their yards. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's very useful to a point for certain things, but it's an incredibly resistant and strong runner with roots that, if blocked, will grow over flagstones and pavement until it finds earth to penetrate. Wow. I feel like like between kudzu and bamboo, like the, we've lost the South through vegetation. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to come up with some... Serious chemicals yeah. to deal with it. She says, I love seeing that bamboo jungle because that is actually becoming a thing around here. Huh. And I often joke that we will need to start importing pandas to release into the wild to go with the bamboo forests. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, you know, China's working on destroying their bamboo environment, mm-hmm. and we're creating, like, bring, bring all your pandas over here. It's just migrating. Yeah. yeah. Ralph from Brooklyn says, The more I think about the episode, the more questions I have. I'm guessing Michonne was on her way to find the saviors and wasn't going to tell Rick. If that's what she was planning, then she is really, really, really fortunate to have run into someone, uh, some unidentified lone woman on the road with a car who also happened to be a member of Negan's gang. And who's also suicidal, so she wanted to... She, she wanted to neatly tie her own her. plots uh, up. Yeah. Right. Unless this lone woman has uh, Dwight-level trust from Negan, why would she be all out, uh, be out all by herself given how many people are available to go with her. Sending a team is not only safer, but it keeps possible deserters in check. I feel like the writers just didn't want Michonne to figure out how to find Negan, so they just sent her a driver. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was very confusing to me as well. Uh, Sean H. says, You guys have been talking about how there are Walking Dead fans that don't listen to podcasts or view Reddit. I work at a hospital here in Houston, and every Monday morning on a nurse's unit, about 12 nurses and doctors come together at the beginning of the shift to talk about Sunday night's episode of The Walking Dead. I am the only one in this group that reads Reddit and listens to podcasts. Not a single one of these nurses or anyone else in that group complain about The Walking Dead the way people on Reddit, your listeners, or you do. They just talk about the stuff that happened on the show and why certain decisions were made and what they want to happen like other casual television fans would do. Hmm. They love the show. I talk. I take them as a group that represents the remaining 10 million people that keep up with and watch the show. So, not, they're not idiots. I mean, we're talking about no, nurses no. and doctors here. So yeah, I mean, he doesn't say anything negative about them. Just right. they don't. They don't have the same complaints that people who, you know, really dig into this stuff do. Yeah, I want to say it's not the show's fault that we take it more serious than it does, but. Mm-hmm. It kind of was because you and and also AMC continually positions itself as. You know, a serious drama. Mm-hmm. So, I don't. I don't know. I mean, this is the only show of its caliber that I routinely watch. Okay. Yeah, I like, agree. Anything that's like, like that makes less sense than this is usually a comedy. So. Oh well, I watch worse stuff than this. Like I, I've been, I've been watching C Lab twenty twenty one because that's one of the things I missed out back in the day. Sure. Fucking hilarious, mm-hmm. and it's stupid as the day is long, mm-hmm. but that's the point. Right. Like I, sometimes I feel like this Walking Dead, like Rick tries to outdo the commander on C Lab on occasion, and just like that, what? Yeah, he needs to be on Adult Swim or something because mm. that's where it works. Like maybe twenty years from now, they'll make like a C Lab version of The Walking Dead. Okay. Like you That'd could be good. like yeah. I mean if you if they continue to be able to do like these this photoshop for audio and they continue to be able to do digital things with people's faces like imagine how much stock footage of Walking Dead is assembled mm-hmm. where you could just tell these crazy ass stories and make up your own dialogue and mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that I don't know. Maybe that's something we got to look forward to in our old age. I'm I'm ready for it. Brett from Honolulu says, I was in Norway this past June at the Alisund Aquarium with my wife waiting for a penguin show. I, I don't. Okay. The lady in front of is me. Is that like a donkey show in Tijuana? I think so. Like a woman a comes Norwegian in and just, just, just gets just ravaged by, by emperor penguins. We need to shut that shit down. Like from <laughs> from a worldwide abuse perspective. The penguin The Norwegian shows? penguin shows need to go. Yeah, no. They're they're uh they're they're infamous. They are. You know what else is infamous? The lady in front of me who pulled out a two foot cucumber, took a few bites, no. passed, it, passed it to her small child who appeared to be three to four years old, I remember thinking, no way in hell. And the kid chomped down without hesitation, devouring the rest. I looked at my wife, and we both lost it with uncontrollable laughter. So yes, there are monsters in the world who eat raw cucumbers whole, the saviors and the Norwegians. It's so funny, like, people's dietary things. Because, like, oh, you know, you hear man. about people eating french fries with mayonnaise. And it's like, oh, my God, it's so right. gross. And then now we got the cucumber munchers. and then. Mm-hmm. But then I remember, like, several Australians saying how repulsive they found my description of biscuits and gravy. Really? And I'm like, I guess that makes sense because biscuits and gravy is just essentially grease-soaked flour that you mix with water. Uh-huh. And then you pour over poorly baked shitty bread. Uh huh. So, which is just that's just garbage butter. food. That's yeah. just garbage food. That's what garbage people would eat. So I, I mean, oh, but it's delicious. Yeah, I, it's that's the thing. And I, I don't have a problem with cucumbers. I don't. It's just I like the cucumbers. Way you eat cuc- like if you let's say if you had biscuits and gravy, you're just gonna and you pull said, out a room temperature two foot long cucumber and start eating it. <laughs> it's weird. It is weird. If you had biscuits and gravy, and you said like. Oh, hand me those biscuits, that biscuits and gravy, and like literally put them into your hands and started eating yeah, or them like, like if, apples. Like if, if you saw in America, that would be you're, weird. At, you're at a you're at a dolphin show, which is another thing that needs to be shut down. Yep. And you, someone just got out like a Ziploc bag full of biscuits and gravy, and starts, you would yeah. be like, "That's fucking weird." Like, there's a way to eat that that's acceptable. Maybe it's not my cup of tea, but or they took the bag and they like cr- mashed it all up yeah. into like a slurry, <laughs> right. and then just started piping it into yeah. their mouth. Yeah, yeah. That'd be disgusting. Yeah, no, I just you know we in your cucumber eating. He says, FYI, I love Norway and have nothing bad to say about the Norwegian people. They do so. seem like they have their shit together. Maybe that's right. maybe we should all eat cucumbers by the foot. I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to try it. Whenever I do my mukbang video, it's going to be all... It's all going to be cucumbers. Raw temperature, raw room You can set the record cucumbers. for linear feet of cucumbers eaten in a single mukbang. Like, you, you, roll out, you roll out seven three-footers, I'm going to go for 21 <laughs> feet today. 21 feet of cucumber. Oh, what would that do to my stomach? I don't. Because that's the thing. Like, cucumbers have almost zero nutritional value. They're essentially right. like water, and that's it. You think you hit the LD50 of water before you like – how many feet of cucumber would it take? Uh, I don't know. Maybe 21 foot would do it. I encourage Maybe. you to try it. No. Oh, all right. So Kevin writes in and says, dudes – can they make Maggie look any less pregnant? She's thin as a rail. How fucking long ago are we supposed to think she got pregnant? Yeah. And the answer is I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I I feel like there is an answer to that question. But I A, I don't remember when they last banged. And B, right. I couldn't tell you how much time has passed, even if I remembered it. Right. I, I mean... It's you. I've seen women not show for like the first uh, oh, going yeah. into second trimester for a very long time, right? But now I, I feel like it's like less common for really thin women for Matt because like you know you'll start to notice the the bulge earlier than that. But right, I mean, right. 
I don't know, man. I just looked it up. A cup of cucumbers has eight, 16 calories. Wow. A cup. That's a pretty good snack. Yeah. It'll fill you up, but it won't Yeah, won't uh, make you. Ooh, ooh, there's a quantity. You can actually define the quantity as one cucumber, and it specifies an eight-inch, eight-and-one-quarter-inch cucumber, 47 calories. Wait, but what's the what's the girth? What are we talking? Well, circumference? Yeah, it's 301 grams. You'd have to do math, and I'm not going to do that. But okay. you know, an average, average. So that, that woman packing, like, with the, with the two-foot cucumber is, like, not even getting 100 calories. Well, her kid. You're just, you're, just, you're just bored of me. You're just grazing. That's just grazing. Right. Yeah, that's a great snack. All right, Dan from Phil, just chop it up. You probably, you. I bet it's calorically negative because your body spends more calories digesting it than you actually get out of the cucumber itself. <laughs> Maybe so. In that case, bad apocalypse food, can that's I say? Wh- that's why the Norwegians are so fit. Famous, so. famous for being fit. Dan from Philly says the same old story mid-season finale and while the episode is perfectly serviceable maybe even good it's also six weeks too late from the daryl and jesus road trip uh how did they get out of the gates oh yeah who cares right uh, yeah they t- fired up that loud ass <laughs> motorcycle just blah, 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 just right out the front gates no one could hear him the music was too loud <laughs> the hate music uh, yes. To yet another member of the group taken hostage after a poor decision by someone else, Negan's ballistic expertise, the pre- prerequisite killing of peripheral characters, you can just see the writers checking off the boxes. Has there ever been a series just so goddamn predictable? I can't help but think the creators are so bankrupt of ideas that AMC will just run this money train till it dies and quality be damned. Well... I mean, I don't know if you're right. I don't know if you're wrong, but that's certainly an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and one that we have times have pondered ourselves. Sure. Aaron S. says, The Walking Dead did what they do best. Roping me into watching the second half of the season just wasn't when I was ready to jump off the Walking Dead, Dead bandwagon. Man, I can't speak today. I definitely understand how Aaron felt at the end of the live watch. Very torn and oddly optimistic after this crap show of a season. I hope it lives up to the expectations they set, but deep down, I know I'll be disappointed until the finale. We always bash the writers and producers of this show for lack of talent, but it has to be talent uh, keeping people roped into this show for this long, right? I mean, I mean that is if your talent, set, talent yeah. is manipulating the public, sure. It's Is it enjoyable to participate in, though? That's what it's like. It's one of those things where... Um... You know, it's easier to actually work than it is to appear busy at a job. Like, right. I'd much rather be busy than trying to act yeah. busy. At some level, isn't just creating an entertaining television show with this much talent around it easier than fucking with people? You would think so. Like, I mean, if that if that's what you enjoy, though, but just you got fucking with people. You, how many how many nurses and doctors are you going to argue with? Hmm? Like, maybe people like this precisely because oh. it doesn't challenge them. You know. Maybe. I don't know. That's my depressing thought of the day. Caitlin T says, classic Walking Dead logic equals we hid Maggie in a closet and risked our lives to make sure the saviors thought she was dead. So before we put her on a fence duty and make sure her face is the first thing anyone sees when driving up, give her a hat? No one will know. That's what we were joking on the live watch last night. Every single time she was looking over, we're, we're, we joked that like Negan was there. Hey, Maggie, I remember you. <laughs> right. Yeah, hot girl is supposed to be dead. Time to bash some people's brains in. Now it's like, for fucking real? Yeah. You're going to be on fence. You're going to be on, on front gate duty when you are supposed to be hiding out in this community. And I, for I the, just can't. For, for the protection of Alexandria and mm-hmm. the Hilltop because they'll both get reprisals. And I your thought you were child gi- and yourself like 
I thought you were. I thought your plot was that you were guilty because everyone died because of you. Because that's why. I mean, like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah, and the idea that they don't like the saviors don't have scouts out there just keeping watch. Yeah. over these civilizations. Over if I was these Negan, I would have some kind of fucking sympathizer on the inside of every one of these communities, just right. hanging out. Yeah. Or like, at the very least, people outside the gates watching. Yeah, like a ga- like a garrison. Like there's yeah. a couple of saviors just keeping an eye on. That's that. They have fact, the people. They dumb. have the men. That seems dumb that there's not like a barracks of saviors in every fucking community. Like, sure. Like you go in and we're going to take a few of you hostage and then we're going to leave a few of us behind. Right. So if there's any kind of skullduggery. We'll know about it. Exactly. Or if these guys all show up dead, then we're also going to know. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I oh, man, that's kind of a. Yeah, he's, deal. he's just not a very good strategist, I, I mean, guess. Maybe that's the plot that, like, you know, that, like, Negan's not really that smart. Well, I mean, our our community in Alexandria is going to have to be able to outsmart him. But if he doesn't <laughs> and feel... And we know they're not that smart. Well, that's true. <laughs> but if he doesn't feel like he's capable and intelligent and a formidable adversary, then yeah. why is that interesting? Yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, I will say that I do feel like he does feel that way. But when you stop and think about it, it's like, huh. He could feel definitely more that way. Right. But on the other hand, I don't know if they actually did garrison these places. It's just game over. Seems like, like it, you yeah. can make you can make a situation too airtight where it's like, okay, once you got Rick's bullets and all of his guns and all of his best people and there's six of the, you know, the Neganite enforcers, like what are you going to do? I don't know. The cracks are much smaller. I mean, I, I, I think there's scenario. an interesting. There, there, I, I could, I could see a season of like this underground resistance type of fighting. You right. Know? Like that's yeah. the thing. Like uh, I was saying um, when they were like, "Oh, what are we going to do?" I'm like, "Crack a history book. Like, look up the French Resistance. There's all kinds of things you can fucking do." Yeah. You for know? Sure. And that stuff is pretty interesting. There's been many movies and television shows made about it. I bet there's a Who's the Boss episode about Probably. it. Probably. You know, go watch some old Hogan heroes. See there how you, you can go. effectively fight a resistance against a, a, yeah. a fascist regime. I know there are MacGyver episodes about it. Of course. You, you got to build. You take take that bamboo that's rampant and build a build a, a like a, a whole air force of ultralights. Yep. Then what are you going to do, Negan? Yep. Just drop rocks on them, Ewok style. <laughs> All right, Nathan E says. Uh, a couple of things here. One, I like that our group has their fighting spirit back, but I'm left curious as to why Rick feels differently now. The deaths of Glenn and Abraham left him utterly defeated, but the deaths of Spencer and Olivia and a pep talk from Michonne are what put him in full-on revenge mode? Yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about this. I like, do think that he, like... The scales have been tipping, and and now they've they've tipped to the point where it makes sense. Well, right, like, I we had a deal. Like, mm-hmm. you brutalized us to prove your point. I got behind that point, and I got all my people on the same page. But now Rick's appreciating that either he can't, you know, that the, the the indomitable human spirit of Alexandria was going to eventually get them in trouble, or mm-hmm. uh, this that, is Lando with Darth Vader. Yeah, this deal right. this deal keeps getting worse every time. Yeah, so eventually you got to tell Lobot to go take the stormtroopers and lock him in the Northern Tower and keep it quiet. Right. Uh, and number two, Deanna's dying wish was for Rick to watch over Spencer and help him grow as a man, which amounted to fuck all. Rick has a terrible track record of trying to help other people's children survive, but I'm glad they nipped this storyline in the bud. Otherwise, Spencer would have had the same plot line as the kid who shot Carl in the face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. 
Uh, though there is a part of me that would have liked to see Spencer live on, get proficient with that compound bow he found, and in some small way, we'd still have a remnant of Deanna in the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that we didn't really comment on. Everyone in that family is dead now. Yeah. There are no more of the No more of the Deanna's. Monroes. The Monroes Monroe, are gone. Yes. Reg, Aiden, Deanna. It's unfortunate. Uh, and uh, now Spencer. There was at least one of them I liked. Yep. You can and I bet none of who. Them, I bet none of them are going to be on the wall of fame. No. <laughs> none of them get their name up there. Topher T says, There have been two assassination attempts on Negan, and by the time they get back to the power plant, they will find out that Daryl has killed another savior and escaped. I'm not sure if Michonne killed that woman or not. If she did, well, she did. It would most likely raise suspicion at the very least. This from a group that wiped out one of the Savior's outposts last season. I have to ask, what did the previous group of Saviors... uh, Wait, what did the previous group the Saviors killed last season have to do to get slaughtered? (laughs) Right? Right? I mean, yeah. They all tried to kill him? Like, an organized effort? That was the library, right? The library compound? Well, I think that was Oceanside is what they were talking about. Oh, and then they – so that was the library group that – because they used to be holed up in a library, remember? Is that what they said? I thought so. Okay. They showed him like – but that's a good question, and maybe you're supposed I to – I think they said that, yeah, like all of them tried to go kill Negan or, or slaughtered a bunch of their people, but – But they were clearly – put. I mean, now I see this as like they were pushed into it because if you try mm-hmm. to do everything right by the Negan's uh, – by the Savior's lights – you're still going to get fucked. And that's the thing, like, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, totalitarian regimes work on the threat of fear and judicious use of force. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone should be paranoid and afraid all the time. Right. But you shouldn't be, like, just randomly killing people or else it makes it that much easier to resist because you got nothing to lose. And you have to give them rules to follow if you want. Yeah. If you want compliance. Right. So... When there are no rules and they don't know how to comply and they can't comply, well, they're only left with one option. And that's right. to rebel. Right. Uh, I mean, it's one thing if you want to get them all in a con- fucking concentration camp, but if you actually want them out autonomously providing for you, right? You got yeah, you got to have some rules and you got to live by them as well. Nathan E says, "If you were Maggie, would you be skeptical of eating that apple pie after seeing the one guy in town who doesn't like you fiddling with fruit earlier in the episode?" Uh, yeah. I, so oh, I would even be put suspect that t- together that, that I bet the legend of Maggie is like, oh, she likes apples. Better make her an apple pie. Well, yeah, as a nice gesture, but I, I could also see like this might be coming from Gregory, who sure. I just took the apple from earlier sure. this episode. Yeah, maybe I don't trust that apple pie. Uh huh. Then again, they had this big long scene about her being pregnant and just eating everything, and like, and also Maggie's got superhuman bad. ability. Like, I think she'd smell the bleach in it if there was. <laughs> right. She smelled an apple pie through like a locked door. So yeah, her her magic pregnancy powers. And then he mentions the hat homage to Glenn, which we kind of picked up on. Uh, the other, we didn't talk about this, but uh, Norman Reedus or uh, Daryl, when he was busting out, he was also dressed. Someone did a split screen of it on Reddit and like same checkered. In like, his Kurt Cobain outfit? Yeah, he's like same checkered, like flannel shirt with the t-shirt and the hat. Like he was dressed exactly like season one Glenn. Oh, okay. that's got to be an homage to not just to, to Stephen Yun mm-hmm. and as, as well as the actual character. Yeah. 
Matt S. says, I've been holding back with feedback this season because I didn't want to sound like the guy calling a sports talk station after a 45-3 to loss. <laughs> now that I've seen this half of the season as a whole, my response is, welp and just a shrug. Uh-huh. We, we are back on the farm looking for Sophia, the prison after the governor massacred his army, or hell, they even pad- padded out the hunter's arc, too. This is what this show does. I should have suspected something in episode one when we had to wait a half hour to see who was killed last season. Maybe I'm in the minority because I'm a comic reader, so I know what is coming, and I'm constantly disappointed when we don't get there. These 90-minute episodes are just making it worse. I was waiting for Spencer's gutting last episode, and of course I didn't get it. They needed it for the finale. Uh, well, I mean... I, I don't. I, I know you probably don't agree with this, because you, at the end of the live watch, were shocked at how much... They brought it around at the end. But precisely because, like, I read the comic spoiler thread on Reddit, and there was a lot of people bitching and moaning about the pace, which I was Mm -hmm. uh, oblivious to because it's been fine. I I lost a lot of the fine details, and I was impressed that they essentially, um, like, I mean, I don't want to talk about too much stuff in a non-spoiler section, but I just felt like they collapsed a lot of comic book material and advanced the plot a lot, like a shocking amount in this one episode. Right. Uh, where you've got, like, they could pretty much tell, they could they could do a hurry up, you know, one or two episodes to show everyone kind of binding together and then just fight the war and be done with this. But it's, I don't think they will. I really do think next year, I don't know how they're going to do it. But they're going to fucking keep the stuff up in the air enough that they're going to put off the actual war with Negan till season eight. Like when they all out, they go and, and go hammer and tongs. But I don't know. Like, okay, you know, Is how this a little too spoilery for the main cast. I don't think so because they're like talking mm. about fighting Negan. So yeah, I mean, it's clear at the end that they are going to mount up. Right, right. It's not, and it's going to be a, probably a slow mount. <laughs> they're going to take their time getting right. up on that horse, but they're going to do it. Right. Right. So, okay. So, I, yeah, I, I was, I was, I kind of impre- was impressed by how much they, they got to the end and how much they hurried up towards the end there. But mm-hmm. if you are a close reader of the comics, then you might have, like, I, I can't help but think that's what always annoyed me. And it was like all the constant remixes. And it would be one thing if they remixed it and, like, okay, well, that's better. Or I can see that working better for television. But so many of those remixes I just thought were different for the sake of different. And inferior to the actual things that happen in the comic books, hmm. getting enough distance has made a lot of those objections go away. So, okay, that's one well, of the reasons I've stayed the hell away. Right, right. Dan from Chicago says they did it again. I was getting tired of all the bottle episodes and not looking forward to this episode at all. But then Daryl broke free. Maggie got her swag back. Michonne got wise of the extent, the extent of the threat. I'm thinking extant. Extent, yeah. Halle Berry's mm-hmm. bad TV show. Mm-hmm. And Rick got his, you're messing with the wrong people pants on. I'm glad the two civilizations are connected again. I would have liked the kingdom to make contact, but now I'm geared up for the second half of the season. That's so, coming. Uh, yeah, right. They didn't make contact, but the seeds have been planted, right? Like, I can see Morgan saying, look, I'm not going to help, but I know people who might. Mm-hmm. Um and if anybody can convince Ezekiel to get in the game, it's probably Rick. Sure. Uh, I mean, look at the... He can just say, here's all the people we've lost already to this guy. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't doesn't stick with his agreements, all sorts of stuff. Right. So, yeah, I, I think they're sowing the seeds of discontent in all of these communities simultaneously well enough for me to believe that at some point they're going to come together and, and maybe 
you know, band together to do what one of them couldn't do alone. Uh, he says, but by by no means was this a perfect episode. Poor editing on Spencer being stabbed and Rosita shooting Lucille. Just huh. poor, jumpy cuts. No drama to it. And why would every single one of Negan's henchmen not shoot Rosita immediately? Are yeah. They, are they supposed to know she only had one round and it was okay to take the time to tackle her? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, why did we check in with Carolyn Mer- Morgan to learn nothing new? And I don't know the kingdom soldier's name, so I certainly don't care about him crying in his camper. Why do Sasha and Enid argue about if Maggie can handle the secret of Jesus' mission only to have him show up with Daryl 20 minutes later? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a fair point. Like, this seems like a waste of time. Yeah, but they also, in, in a situation where Sasha should care about, like, if, if if Maggie doesn't care about a ripped uterus, Sasha should. Right. So like I didn't mind that. Like that seems like a you know like hey I'm just I'm just doing I'm just exploring my options and I don't need to get Maggie all excited because she's supposed to be on bed rest. Like I, that that makes sense to me. Okay. Uh, what was the trigger that convinced Rick that that peace isn't an option? That was entirely unclear. I, I don't know that I agree with that. Yeah, I I think that just the capricious nature of justice and the fact that like. You, what you're just going to accept that one of your people are going to get the the piss beaten out of them for no fucking reason every other week like that or shit something. yeah like you know you're going to like let some guy go blind because some guy decided he wanted to work someone over um yeah. you know that's the fatal that's the fatal error of of Negan's ways like it's it it'd be one thing if it was just an academic or philosophical question about what it means to be free and are we free and it's kind of like you know a Boston Tea Harbor thing it's like you know uh huh. But this was like no, like like standing up to tyranny and literal slavery and like just being treated like you know garbage by these people. Sure, I wouldn't want to live under that. No. He also wonders if any people at all live in the hilltop. I know the final scene was about getting our gang back together, but it'd be nice if more than Jesus and one of the lookouts lived there. Mm-hmm. Pay for eight extras. I'll do it for free. <laughs> says, keep up the good work. Please keep podcasting. I'd rather hear your thoughts after each episode than dive into the depths of Reddit or Twitter. I don't blame you. Aaron P. says, I'll start by saying, I don't know what to call this person besides the boot guy. Cheesy as it is. Should be the boot girl. Especially right. if it's an ocean cider. Well... Buckle up, buckle your boots, because here comes a theory. Uh oh. The boot guy is the kingdom lieutenant who wants to go to war against the saviors. I think Richard. Huh. The way the the way the boot guy portrayed uh, was portrayed in this episode indicates some sort of Alexandria foe, likely the owner of the houseboat seeking vengeance for the theft of all his belongings. However, I highly doubt that someone who went through all the trouble of situating himself in a zombie moat with several layers of signage warning people of their immediate death for trespassing, would idly watch his livelihood be stolen. Lieutenant knows that the kingdom needs numbers to successfully fight the saviors. If the boot guy is him, his observations of Rick and Aaron probably tentatively confirm to him that others are also having to collect for the saviors, meaning there are more people out there who might be able to recruit. Checking out Alexandria is a reasonable next step to confirming that the saviors are holding other communities to a similar shitty deal. That said, Kirkman and Gimple love audience trolling, uh, in addition to all the other reasons she mentioned. So I bet that they purposely set up the lieutenant's stalking of Rick and Aaron and the trespass into Alexandria as nefarious, even though it isn't. The only thing I don't like about that is the way this is edited together. I'm pretty sure that Richard was talking to uh, Carol and Morgan at the same time that that 
and I I, I think May, that counts I have for no something. idea. Yeah, I, that counts for something. Like I don't think I don't think you can weave the storylines together. And I know it's something the Westworld is successfully able to do, but it, it it they they did a whole lot of development of that concept. But well, I don't I don't think you can too. I don't it's... think you can play. Yeah, they do that too, and they they're like, yeah, well, you know, what are you going to do? It's like we're we're telling a story right. that's global and all over the world, and it's happening all kinds of different times, and even in, even within the same episode, like yeah. you'll have. Well, you got me. You got me wriggling in the the <laughs> the, the crushing grip of reason there, Jim. I, I don't know how I can excuse one and overlook the other but yeah i i don't know i mean that's the only thing i don't like about it though is like i feel like the language of cinematography says that that was happening simultaneously right yeah i guess uh, do we see this guy's boots do we know if he's got those little i don't, I don't know we've seen and... this and plus it's like his um his laces were braided around like did you notice like his laces like wrapped around several times before they're tied off with the boot huh um Boots so, are too big. Laces are too laces long. Laces too long. I, or isn't that a thing? What does that say? About- I got that there was like some some type of boots are designed to do that to give you more like high ankle support. Probably, yeah. But uh, I mean, they're very distinctive boots. So like, I feel like if I saw them again, they had some kind of yeah. leather flourish. But yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever seen Richard's boots that close. Uh, yeah, I certainly haven't noticed it. But I don't like it because again, it seemed like they were specifically saying these things are contemporaries of each other, and mm-hmm. no evidence that they weren't. So. Okay. Josh F. in the final email says, you guys keep saying that Negan is going to punish Alexandrians for Daryl's actions, but we've yet to see it with this situation. I'm not saying you're wrong in that this is a general premise he's used for other situations within the group, but I'm just not seeing it here with Daryl now that he's taken Daryl for his own. So I, I don't think this is dry pie. I think he mentions, you know, that he escaped. But he says, it seems like Negan no longer thinks of Daryl as being part of the Alexandria group and isn't trying to use his relationship or his other relationships to threaten Daryl into being subservient. Daryl is no longer a part of Rick's group, nor is he Rick's responsibility, unless Daryl did go back to Alexandria and they tried to hide him. To me, the only people getting punished for this will be Negan's men who let him escape. And what point would it make anyway to kill an Alexandrian because of someone who is no longer part of their group and not Rick's responsibility escaping Negan's compound. Hmm. Prove what point? That his men are inept? Of course, this all seems to be a moot point now that they all seem to be rebelling against Negan anyhow. Um, I imagine they won't even go back to Alexandria unless it's to get a better fortified position. I don't know that I agree with that last statement, but yeah, I mean, I guess what... So the guy escapes on his own volition, right? Like seems like well, potentially I mean, someone, with the help of the the people inside your own compound. Although someone or pointed out Jesus. that's I'm saying no right. one we haven't talked about that. There is an outside chance that this was all engineered by Jesus, but he wouldn't know that, right? He would no. assume. And also, my Jesus, guys are idiots, right? And also, Jesus didn't seem like when he came across Daryl that this is like all according to my plan. It's more like, oh my god, mm-hmm. it's Daryl. Now, if they go back to Alexandria and Negan shows up and Daryl just greets him with a smile at the gates, there's going to be hell to pay. Right. So they either have to hide Daryl or not go back to Alexandria. But but the the whole point of killing someone in Alexandria is not you know that Alexandria – it's the fact that Daryl was from Alexandria. He knew the stakes and, yeah, he got away scot-free, but I'm going to kill one of you. Because that's then... It's so that if you imprison someone, they won't try to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Because they know. 
what's like, going to happen to their friends. Yeah, I dis- I guess I completely disagree with the analysis that he can okay. get away with letting that happen because without looking weak and without the whole system crashing down. Mm-hmm. So then again, this is a man who doesn't kill the person who tried to kill him. Right. So I don't know what his rationales are. Yeah. But that's it for emails. Okay. Well, I have like a little bit of spoiler stuff to talk about. Okay. I have like one or two things. One which actually makes a lot of sense and is pretty interesting. Uh, but our contact info, if you want to send feedback, is watchingdead at baldmove.com or on the forums.baldmove.com if you just want to shoot the shit with your fellow fans. Yeah. We will be back, like we said, on Friday for a wrap-up, a season mid-season wrap-up cast. Yep. So if you want to get your feedback in, send it in before Friday morning because mm-hmm. that's when it's all happening. Uh, and, you know, we'll we'll consider our coverage of The Walking Dead over the next three months or so and see what we want to continue to do for this show um, now that Aaron is super psyched again for the next season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now they've roped him back in. Uh, and we'll, we'll let you know. Let you know how it goes. And until next week, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. See you. And we're back with the spoiler section. Uh, I have two emails. Is there anything you desperately wanted to talk about before we get to them? Yeah, I like to kind of like take point here a little bit. I mean, I, I... So the reason I'm kind of at a hopeful place is because my recollection is there... You had the, you know, introduction to Negan where uh, Glenn got his brains beat out. Mm-hmm. And then you had this long interim period. And then you had, I think it was called the March to War which was where the communities all got together and decided they were going to do this, and you had all-out war, which okay. signified the actual open rebellion. And there's a lot of cool things in, in between there, and then during the war that I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason I'm in a hopeful place is because I guess I, f- I guess my recollection was that this inter-war, inter-pre-war period lasted a lot longer even in the comics. Gotcha. So for them to go, like... Gut Spencer and have like in the in the comics Maggie is the or not Maggie I'm sorry Andrea is the one that went to Rick and's like what the fuck how mm-hmm. can we continue to let this happen and Rick unveils that like look I and, and that's the thing I guess I don't like or I'm I'm struggling to put into context for my memories because in the show it seems like Rick completely bought into Negan's system yeah and everyone else convinced him where in the comics Rick only did that because he thought that if he let on for a minute that he was planning for resistance, it would get more people killed. Mm-hmm. And until he had everything figured out that he wanted to keep that all and kind of close to his vest. So it's kind of like Rick in the TV show is like, I now know that this is intolerable and I can't put up with it versus the comic book where you find out that I've always known I've been waiting for my moment. Yeah. And I so don't know about that. That's interesting. So in the comic, I feel like they're, the focus is more on Rick as the central figure in this whole thing. Whereas in the show, maybe it's more of a sense of community. Maybe. Like maybe that's the idea they're going for. They know they're not going to have Andrew Lincoln forever. They know that Rick can't be the only thing that you latch onto as a viewer. Right. We need the community to bring him around on this. I mean, I guess that's what I'm afraid of is I feel like if they wanted to make have an excuse, they could drag out this next half season. And then season eight is the all out war. 
and then they flash forward a few years, in which case they can recast. Right. Rick can be killed off. Daryl can be killed off. They recast. They recast Carl or give Chandler Riggs a Godfather offer to come back and reprise his role, mm-hmm. and then they keep telling and they they rebuild around. You know the likes of Eugene and Maggie and and I don't even know if Lauren Graham is available or what Denai uh, Guerrera has got going on in in her, the rest of her life. Like I, in, mm-hmm. you know, I, how how many of these people can they keep and how many people can they, you know, take and rebuild? Because like you know, post All Out War, like Negan's a big deal. Like he still continues to be a figure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Dwight continues to be a big deal. They introduce these whispers, which that's the other thing is I'm wondering if these boots are not supposed to be the whisperers. Uh, because I thought one of their deals was that they actually infiltrate some of these large communities and take advantage of the fact that not everyone really knows everybody. Hmm. Okay. Um, but I could be wrong about that because I stopped reading around that time. Yeah. Um, I mean, there could be whispers in Alexandria for all I know. I don't know half the Alexandrians. Right, right. So I don't know because like the other things that could be Oceanside because clearly you've got a situation where uh, you know Rick, Rick and the Hilltop have got badasses but no weaponry. The Hilltop is just ready to go, and then you've got Oceanside that could provide the arms right. for these guys that are willing to fight, and like that all together could maybe take Negan's place, but with the element of surprise. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Also, in the comics, like, Eugene doesn't get, like, Eugene makes, that. that's, so in the comics, everyone's out of bullets. So everyone's kind of gone back to spears and bow and arrows and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Eugene figures out how to make ammunition, and, and that's, like, a huge advantage for Alexandria. And then yeah. I think Negan eventually takes him prisoner, but... He does. I mean, Matt S. says uh, that Eugene apparently... It famously quips like, "I'm not going to make ammo for you, no matter how many genitals you sever." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, okay, sure, right, pretty good. Well, there's this really cool scene where the saviors use bow and arrows, and like spears have been dipped in uh, zombie guts. Yeah, yeah. To do this, what looks like an ineffectual attack on Alexander, where like some people get arrows and some people get nicked up, and uh-huh. but like you know they're repelled. And, you know, the doctor tends to their wounds and then a bunch of people turn into zombies and go on a little mini rampage. That's awesome. Yeah. But it's a, why would it happen? Mm-hmm. Or they, it could be reversed. That's they the could thing. Do it but like Negan. that is like watching good guys use chemical weapons. Yeah. Like that's something you expect an evil person would 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 you would do. But I, it's like good watching good guys use chemical weapons against the bad guys, which is still is that. Is that okay? Well, I mean, it's The Walking Dead, so like they can definitely do it. But I'm just saying, mm-hmm. like, it does feel like the bad, the, the the good guys are stooping to the bad guys level. It's all out war. Which again, it's all out war. And it's The Walking Dead, <laughs> so I wouldn't be mad. It's just it's a weird, it's a it's a weird remix to do, right? And it's it's kind of one of the eternal questions of The Walking Dead, specifically when it comes to like Carol and Morgan at this point, right? right? Richard is essentially asking them to do that to. To preemptively strike. Yeah, to, preemptive war. Yeah. Based on what your worst fear would happen, which right. is not a great way to govern in general. Sure. Uh, we have a pretty interesting email from Sandy A, who wants to comment about this key card that we found. 
or that Tara found. The Triple P. Yeah, the Triple P. She says Pizza Pizza Palace. (laughs) Pizza Pizza Palace uh, is actually a term used in music for whispering or playing very softly. Oh, shit. It's like pianissimo, I think is the term for it. Uh, Are we going to see Heath at a later date with the Whisperers? That's interesting. So might they be slowly introducing the concept of the Whisperers? Could be. In which case, it's probably one of the more successful slow burns the show's ever done. Yeah. It's it's certainly made people wonder and question. Could Heath... Because that's the other thing, is Heath's kind of recent nihilism, maybe... Maybe that is... Like, you're going to reintroduce to Heath later, and he's a whisperer now. Because that maybe. seems like that's... Like, the whispers are one of those communities that take the lessons of the zombie apocalypse to its logical conclusion, where... They have become, they're not what you would call a recognizable human community. They're like the terminus, you know, like they, mm-hmm. they fundamentally change the, the nature of how they see themselves as humans and the other survivors in it. So, like, I guess that would be interesting that, like, that, that Heath would become, like, we never saw Alexander, one of Rick's groups, like, talk to the wolves and be like, hey, man, you're onto something. Right. Um, I don't know that Heath's a strong enough character to a lot of people give a shit about that, but that's something interesting they could do. Yeah, and then, you know, reintegrating him into Alexandria would be a good way to get a whisperer in the gates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Like a stealth whisperer, even for the audience, maybe. Did Heath, were, Heath boots, were Heath's boots tied fancy? Did anybody know? I didn't I didn't see his boots, <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, are the whisperers music fans? Is that what's going on here? Why the PPP if that's... Is this going to be the symbol of the whisperers? I mean, that could be, like, yeah. Like I, somebody just knew that from before the world went to shit. Yeah. It was like, hey, guys, it'd be cool if we did this. Right. Okay. Maybe so. That's all I've got. Okay. Spoilers. No, I was trying to think of a clever way because, like, I remember when we started Bald Move before we got big, like, back when we were just doing the Blue Yonder, we had a lot of, like, sitting around in my living room joking about, like, what we would do if we got famous and, like, all the fucking weird lies we'd tell about inside jokes and like and the you know, name of the company yeah and the name of the company like, and how we derived it and like how much fun that would be and i'm like yeah. i guess like to the extent that, that happens maybe the whisperers got like that too it's like hey let's just drop yeah PPP in because it stands for pns pnnsmo or whatever and that's like <laughs> whisper which is what we do and right yeah maybe they're that up their own ass and if you ever ask him about it, it's like, no, that's the Pizza Pizza Palace. Yeah, that's Pizza Pizza Palace. That's where one of we're us headquartered. Be, yeah, one of us used to drive a delivery truck for Pizza Pizza <laughs> Palace. What? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, I think that's going to do it. Pete's penis packing. Pete's packing a penis. Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to think of what other it could stand for. But it's always Pete. Pete's, Pete's always in a mix. Yeah, Pete and Pete perfection. Pete, Pete, p- triple Pete perfection. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh yeah, so I guess we'll be back Friday for the the wrap up, and we also I uh, started a little thread on the the forum because I kind of wanted to see if everybody else was feeling me on maybe what they would do in the future, and I started a a, a season seven seven B uh, comic spoilers speculation thread. So okay, jump up on there if you got any ideas because I'd like to farm that maybe for some content on Friday. Cool. All right. Well, we'll see you guys then. See ya.